Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. back laps fan wrestling podcast it is the coliseum collection it is bloopers bleeps and body slams <laughs> I, I just fucking can't and you know as well as i do that federal law provides for severe civil and criminal penalties for unauthorized reproduction of this copyrighted work i do i have heard that i have heard rumor of these these things so we get the uh, blue screen the coliseum yep. Well, that's um, it. This is a. I, I. This is a very, very. I mean, this is the initial, the initial Coliseum video, uh, uh, screen. You something know, to think the, about. Without the 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 columns, you know, columns that come in, it just kind of fades in with the uh, that thing that that little accent mark. Yeah, yeah. Over one of the letters, and it has the classic, one. the circle. Yeah, the circle logo. WWF official home video. Yes, yes. What did that go sure. away? Do you think? Pretty quickly, because I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it lasts. I mean, I, I say pretty quickly. I, I would say probably within a couple of years, because I, I don't remember. I mean, what's the what's the um, the earliest one we've done recently? I don't know. I mean, certainly gone by nineteen ninety. Yeah, I'm gonna say right, so. right. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, that logo is so evocative. We have a T-shirt based on it, for example. Yeah, yeah. That people well, know what legendary. it means. Yet, it wasn't really a Hasbro era thing. No, definitely an er- earlier thing. It's funny because the logo, that logo, um, it doesn't appear later on in in on the tape itself, but on the physical cardboard piece, it does. It it, it, w- it was always there for a long time. Right, they would have it on the jacket, but not yeah, on the videotape. Yeah, yeah, it was like a stamp of approval. It sure was. It told you it was yeah. official, as opposed right, to exactly bootleg, unofficial. Unofficial, that's right. And it began over 5,000 years ago. Boss, oh, can I, if you don't mind. No, please. It began yes. over 5,000 years ago. I want you to picture the cosmos. When civilization was young, every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands. Da-da-dun. Strength. Speed. Da-da-dun. Agility. Da-da-dun, dun, dun, skill. Da-da. Grace and courage. They did it to honor the gods. Da-da-dun. They did it to honor their kings. Brrr. 
They did it to train their soldiers. They did it to compete. And most importantly... And they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is entertainment. <laughs> yes, it is. But it Actually, uh, you know, it apparently seems to be the Roman Colosseum. <laughs> That's what it is. It's yeah, the first, the first thing, thing you see. see. We never actually get to know what it is. They never say it. Well, of course they're not going to say it. You know what the dirty word is they're referring to? <laughs> He's going to say wrestling on his own videotape. But but why? But why say it is? I know. You know, know. like the, you're leaving it open, and it's very bizarre. It's bizarre to me that they would even conceive of this as oh. being. Something they want to evoke on their own video cassette series. I mean, for I Christ's know. sakes, I know. this is bloopers, bleeps, and body slams. It, from the beginning, there's this complete schizophrenia because you've got yes. this nod to yes. ancient Greco-Roman wrestling and hieroglyphics on Egyptian caves depicting wrestling and it being the oldest sport in civilization. And by the end of the tape, you're watching everyone covered in cake at a completely right. insane wedding reception skit. Yeah, a fake one. I'm and that's the first tape. It's not even like, you know, that was the general evolution of them trying to get your attention. No, it was right out it's, of the gates. It's still so weird to me because what I've gathered from 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 these initial tapes is that pretty much Hulkamania, this one, and the best of the WWE all kind of came out together at the same time. Oh, for sure. But what I don't understand is if you're creating... If you're cre- I mean, I'm sure no one really thought of this in terms of legacy, in terms of, of, of you know, thirty plus years down the road. But, but if you're, if you're doing this, why would you put this one as your first one? Oh yeah, that's that's the whole. Why would you label this one as you put? You have the option of three that are coming out at exactly the same time. Why? I agree. Why? The why this one? The only thing I can come up with is that they thought let's have a variety for our first three, and it was just by some random circumstance that the body slams and bleeps and bloopers one got to shelves first. God. I think they probably were pushing all on a production uh, side at see, the same time. I don't time. even think that. I don't even think that it was that it was on shelves first. I think literally these because only the reason I say this is because of the commercial at the end of the at the end of the tape. Yeah, which is already promoting. Best of the WWE Volume 2, to me, the only reason you would have that is if these three tapes were literally placed on the shelf at video stores at the same fucking time. And I'm not going to... Because they kind of infer, too, earlier, uh, like, or later, at the end of the thing, they, they talk about the next... Like, they talk about the second wave or something of, of WWE Coliseum videos. Absolutely. Which, yeah. again, I, it all makes it seem like this is a first... The um, phase one, if you will. And it was. You're right. That's what it was. Um, the only reason we think this one's first is because when you look up lists of WWF Coliseum home video releases, this one's always number one. Right. Now, the basis for that, I cannot find in newspaper archives that list all three tapes as basically hitting the market at the same time. You know, of all the things we talked about in segment one, none of them said this was the first on the shelf. Number two yeah. followed way too soon after for it to be right. like a purposeful thing that one of those three happened to come out first. I don't know what the genesis I mean, is to call this it, number it one. It probably has some, it, it probably, it, it's probably not nearly as thought out as we would assume it to be. I'm sure it was because right. it was literally the first one that was finished. 
Yep. So we got to yep. package it. Let's get it ready to go. It's done. Yes. And then the other ones. Not enough for, time passes between the first and second releases for us right. to really read a lot into the idea behind right. releasing this one first. It was just coincidence. It is. It is. It is. It is still weird, though, that for your first three videos, this would even occur to you. This is like a nineteen twentieth release when you need some kind of novelty right. to the tape. This is. This is. This is so far down the line when you're kind of like you've established your your tape brand, and you've got nothing else to do, and you're kind of like, well, you know, I've got an idea. Let's do some. Let's do some bloopers. Let's do the you know the you know the outtakes. Ha ha. You know the, the mistakes. You know. Yeah. That's really what it seems like. You know, yep. here's my best guess, too. Um, another part of my best guess. Wacky World of Sports. I've talked about this before. Oh, uh, yeah. Bob Euchre had a very popular video series that was just sports bloopers, and it was all comedy yeah. and lighthearted. And as we're talking here, I just Googled it. 1985 was the release date. It was called The Lighter uh, Side of Sports. Well, there you go. Would not surprise me if they were just like, let's That's do our own version, is. pal. Let's yeah. Just do it. We'll get it out there before they put theirs on. Of course. Always. Done. Um, so yeah, we see the Coliseum, like you said, we've got 80s sounds, we've got 70s sounds. It goes from 80s to very, if it's like Shaft all of a sudden, or like some Spencer for Hire opening title sequence. And we see, so weird. yes, we see clips of Jimmy Snuka and Nikolai Volkov interspersed with, like I said, hieroglyphics of the ancients. And they've got Tito and the USA Express and Jay Strongbow. And they've got I mean, Bob Orton. It really Orton. feels like I'm watching a, mo- a Rocky montage. I think I said that earlier, but it, yeah. it like it, it doubled down when you see this. It's like, yeah, this feels like I'm, I'm watching, you know, a training montage for Rocky. Absolutely. Especially with the music. Yep. And they've got the Cobra clips on there. They've got Ken Patera, Bob Orton, Piper, Patera with a swinging full Nelson. I think that's Luthez that hits the back suplex and the black and mm. white footage that we the see. The black and white footage is pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. And I'm you sure know, we've run that down before, time. but God help me, I can't remember or find it. Uh, if you know in the solar system, who is the wrestler delivering the belly to back Saito style suplex in the black and white clip in this I mean, original? The only one that the only one I think that we've done with this with this footage with this opening, is Best of the WWE Volume 1. So yeah. that would be the one to go to. It would, it would kind of surprise me, considering WWF's uh, disinterest in acknowledging Luthez's reign and contributions this early in the run. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's overly simplistic. Maybe, when, you know, as we talked about, when they were more charitable about acknowledging history outside of the New York Territory in the very, very early stages of uh, Vince Jr.'s administration, maybe they were minded towards Luthez as right. being part of right. the, the fabric. Hogan pressing Greg Valentine and white trunks here. We've got SD Jones. (laughs) We've got Mike Rotunda with a fireman's carry. And then, of course, Andre slamming Kamala in the cage. You can forget that. Of course, you can't. I I did. And what's the conclusion? The conclusion is, as it should be, Hogan pinning Sheik in the middle of the ring to win his first championship. And that's when the three hits on the Pananun. Yep. So there we go. And oh man. And then we go into this, into what Gorilla Monsoon calls WWE video control. Yes. What the fuck? It's a room with three TVs in it. That's I mean, what it is. That's what it is. It's it's a, it's a it's a it's a a taupe room. <laughs> yeah, taupe. Thank you for that. I was trying you to know, get the exact color. Uh, you know, with a couple of crappy video monitors, like not even not even good ones of of the day. They're just little shit boxes, right? 
you know, and, and then you get a one big screen one, big screen being like 25 inches or whatever. And when they, um, oh, man. when they recorded videos for the Mexico market, they redid the room color for and made it tope. <laughs> yes. So yes, this is um, Holly Hill Lane. This is before they built Titan Towers. This is the really? original, yep, WWF office building, which was just, you know, drab and formica and, you know, no branding. No, It's certainly not the that wonderful, um, you know, master control that we remember oh, I from. Love that. You know, all the, the event center stuff and having the, the, the multi-newsroom monitors in the background showing wrestling all the time. Like, yeah. there's always, like there's always something going on that you always need to be watching wrestling. There's a match going on anywhere around the world it's, at right. any time, and we need to get coverage of it. Yes, yes. It could just as easily be we're editing tapes, but yes, the young wrestling mind did, did race with the possibilities of what was going on there yep. in the background, and that, in fact, it was live. But here's Gorilla. Uh, no glasses, which is hard to deal with, first Stop of all. Stop it. Stop it. What about his frilly shirt and his bow oh, tie? Oh, I hate it. I hate everything. Everything about him makes me want to throw up. You know, when he you have such, stupid. When you have he such an extraordinary athlete. stupid. He does. It looks like an extraordinary buffoon. That fucking hair, that... that, 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 that and he's that, none like, of the Gorilla boisterousness. No. I'm just going to... And his fucking... Still has crooked teeth. Years, you never fucking fix those teeth. Give me well, the blue. Give me the blue glasses. Give me the slick back hair. Do not give me this Joker. Yeah, this is um this this, this you know gorilla buffoon. This is heartbreaking. This is hardly uh, the version of gorilla that one can get behind. No, no. So he's talking monotonously about how when you have such extraordinary athletes, superstars yeah, who could literally. It. I got it for you. Thank you. Welcome us to There's the Coliseum the video era, Gorilla Monsoon. Indeed. You know when you have such extraordinary athletes as we do here in the world of professional wrestling superstars that can literally fly in and out of that squared circle and then take these same individuals and place them in a television studio along with their colorful managers the result is not only action and excitement sometimes it's absolutely outrageous did you know they literally flew out of the ring i didn't know that (laughs) yeah that's not how the word literally works gorilla it literally flew fly in and out like they have wings they have they're like the Rocketeer. They're they're flying with a jetpack on. Well, at least they weren't having him read a teleprompter. Mm, well, we do know that. We know he fucked it up. But hey, he so did say professional wrestling right off the top. He did. He did. He, I, I was waiting for him to say the World Wrestling Entertainment. But oh, me too. The problem was the uh, he fucked it up because the teleprompter said W R O S T L I N G. Damn it, Gene! Why didn't Gino? Why didn't you say wrestling? R O S no, it's R-U-S-T-L-I-N-G, rustling. I tell you, for someone that spent so many years being triggered by someone from Atlanta pronouncing it wrestling, he sure has a weird fucking way of saying the word himself, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Russell. <laughs> Rustling the feathers. Right. Is, there, right. is this uh, the autumn leaves or is this uh, <laughs> no, <right. laughs> competition? We, are, we, are, we, uh, we debut in the fall every year. <laughs> take the fall we as well. the summer. We take the fall. We pin a fall. We... Learn how to fall off a 20-foot ladder. <laughs> so, yes. Um, TV's in the background. That'll brown walls. the next Renaissance Rumble when I learn how to fall off a 20-foot ladder. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, <laughs> that's part, it's a unit in the curriculum. It is. It's only for third-timers, though. <laughs> and then they had him, Gorilla, perform his own blooper. Yep. 
here, here it is. This is this is this is the this is really the only blooper, if you ask me, because this is the only one where they show him actually show an actual blunder, uh, uh, and they they do an awful cut too. Like I actually didn't know what the fuck was going on at first. Because it just kind of happens. It's it's even it's it's going to be worse listening to it. But it was even, but it was pretty bad watching it to catch what was going on. But here you will be treated to a collection of hilarious surprises, surprises that can only come to you from the stars of the World Wrestling Federation. For instance, here in Volume One of the WWF Home Video Series, which we've named Bloopers, Bleeps, and Bloody Body Slams. Blew that one, didn't I? Come on, guys, give me a break. And then they like reverse the tape and rewind it. I mean, they 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 basically insert a shot. You know, yeah, they cut they, to the blooper, they, right? Yeah, they insert the blooper, but it's you don't really know what the fuck is going on because it almost looks like a jump cut to like a, another take, like amateur. And then hour, you realize yeah. he's repeating stuff that he's already said. Earlier on, and it's like, oh wait, he's fucking up. This is a blooper. Just what we need in the first Coliseum video, Meta. Yeah, I know. But the the thing is, that's the only real blooper. There's no other moment. Like, okay, let's do that again. Everything else is really outtakes. It's different. And you know what's a goddamn travesty in some ways is that they didn't come out with this tape in like 1990 because we have yeah. since seen. I don't know how this survived or how it's out there. But there was just a remarkably hilarious, about 13-minute, I think, if memory serves, video oh, of Gene Okerlund Gene, blowing interviews. And then, like, talking about him, like, they have, a, they have, like, a graphic of him having a small cock or something. Oh, my God. It's so funny. What an ass. Friday, you're kayfabe. Come on in here. And then he's got Greg <laughs> Valentine. And when he's at home, because uh, he calls in Greg Valentine's wife, who happens yeah. to be watching the promo shoot from yeah. behind the camera, and he calls her in and just, you know, it's obviously... She wasn't scheduled to come before the camera. He would right. just do these things to amuse himself. Um, when he's at the dinner table, does he say, pass the fucking potatoes, Gene Okerlund? <laughs> yes. Remarkable yes. in that era to see Gene Okerlund drop F-bombs. Oh, I love it. Give it to me. I mean, those Give are real me bloopers. More. I mean, now I've, I watch a tape of that all day. Right. Those are bloopers. Right. But like, and, and, you know, again, like, why not show those and, 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 well, they didn't and have them insert yet. the bleeps? Uh, well, I mean, but you're going to tell me that in all of the stuff that they pre-taped, there was nothing like that? Right. Well, I'll tell you, when uh, Tiger Chung Lee fails to break the bricks later with yeah. Fred Blassie watching on with Vince holding the mic, that it's kind of that because Vince turns away from the scene and just cracks up. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, but I, I don't see them as doing it again, as doing the moment again. They, I think they cut around it. Which to me, oh no, again, that, yeah, that was right before the live crowd at the Allentown tapings. They weren't just right. going to re-rack but, it, yeah. But to me, that qualifies as an outtake. Okay, a blooper is a very specific thing to me because I consider it to be when you have to do, you know, you have to do a, a, a moment over and over and over again because you keep fucking it up. Keep fucking it up. Well, we'll yeah. see. Gorilla sets the scene: an outstanding tag match, ten men in one ring from the beautiful Spectrum. Andre the Giant, captain of one team, the magnificent Morocco. Yeah. That man from Hawaii Beach is... Well, we do get a moment of Andre on Piper's Pit first. Oh, yes. I f skipped that. Thank you, know, you. I mean, what a weird... It's it's not even a real moment. It's not even considered a moment. It's just kind of this clip with, you know, it's like a box is, shows up and Piper and Andre hits Piper and laughs and 
and and that's it. I mean, it's uh, again they they make these moments uh, out of like they, I don't know what they're called. I don't know what they're doing. I don't get it. Like I don't. I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Like, they're being like so overly they're, creative. They're taking comedic moments of matches and calling them. I don't. I don't know. Like as if they're they weren't planned. It's short attention span theater. It's like what they're doing is, to me, already not trusting that just matches is going to hold the attention of people. That they need to do this right, this fucking collage, this this fucking tableau of a million different wrestlers and a million different scenes and scenarios. And it's like stop. Yeah. Like I yeah. can't even. I'm not keeping up here. And it's not. And it's not a good thing. I mean, your first official match on a Coliseum video, and you don't even name who's in it. They don't bother. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be just like to highlight a moment in the in the match that they consider a blooper because I guess it popped the truck back when Andre did it in 1983. Yeah, yeah. So it is um, Andre the Giant teaming with Soul Man Rocky Johnson, Pedro Morales, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, and Salvatore Belomo. Yes. A main eventer anywhere in the country. <laughs> taking on magnificent Morocco superstar Billy Graham. Salvatore Belohard. <laughs> Salvatore Baloney. Yeah, and they have a, like this it. is the superstar Graham, you know, that looks like G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. This is the superstar Graham that I'm familiar with. Right, right. Late eighty two. You know, because the first time I ever saw Billy Graham was uh, SummerSlam '88 when he does commentary. Wow. Well, at least then he had tie dye on. He still looked like you know. He still looked like. Well, I guess he didn't have the. He had the goatee too. I think the, he did. the stupid thing there but yeah. Yeah, this was the martial arts master superstar graham the post uh post you know copious steroid use billy graham where the the posting the one who right. posts because he's a martial arts expert ray the crippler stevens who i Jeez. had no idea was even in the company in 1983 honestly that's um, insane yeah uh mr fuji and playboy buddy rose 10-man tag at the spectrum in philly and uh, um oh all of them, except for Morocco and Billy Graham, are dead. Wow. Wow. And Billy Graham's still here. That's yeah. That would not have been my guess if you put this uh, lineup yeah, right. to me 10 years ago. <laughs> or even 20 years ago. All of them, except for, yeah, those two. I don't know. I, to me, Morocco's also a surprise. Why, he, why the fuck he's still alive? I don't understand. Yeah, he's doing well. He, he does he interviews should, all the time. He's, yeah. he's lucid I'm, and with it. To me, he should be dead just by... Protocol. No, no. <laughs> You're of this generation. You just should be dead by now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is weird that when you really look at that, like, total toll from this era, it does seem like, well, it's all happening now just due to time, right? It's just right. too much time has right. passed. Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, How, what, guys, what is he yeah. going to be? He's going to be, what, 75? Pushing Morocco? 80, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't show this, but um, the complete version of this match is on a future Coliseum video, I believe, and it's also on. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I actually believe it's on. It's on one of the. It's either on one of the best of, or it's on the Andre the Giant one. Oh, the Andre the Giant compilation tape, just yeah, all his matches. Yeah, they do his. They do uh, yeah, Andre the Giant. According to History WWF, it's on WWF's most unusual matches. Oh, that one too. Yep, that one I remember seeing in one video store. I remember seeing that one in one video store, but I didn't have the balls. Yeah. To rent it. it scared me. Right, right. It represented it an era that me. you weren't acquainted with. Yeah, although I did want to see, I, I'll tell you, the, the one reason I was interested in seeing it um, 
number one, it, it, it there was a battle royal, and that always excited me. To me, not knowing things, I thought that that video came out before Hulk Hogan was in the company. You know, no, those this match, the, this match was, yeah, that's true. But I'm, I'm in. I, I, I thought that they were doing videotapes before Hulk Hogan was in the company, right? You know, like to me, you look at those bet like the best of the WWE. It's like God Almighty, this this tape looks so old. Not even just the uh, the the matches, but the tape itself looks so ancient. You know, it just always looked and and. But the only reason I wanted to rent that one, the most unusual matches, is because Haystacks Calhoun is is labeled as participating in it, and I knew that my grandparents were big. Haystacks Calhoun fans. Yeah, he's one of those black and white TV era ones right. that resonates. Exactly. People don't forget. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. You know, so, the reason you probably thought it. a lot of those tapes were pre Hogan is because if you fucking rented them, a lot of the matches were pre Hogan when you actually looked at them. Right. And 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 so so many of them didn't even have Hogan in it. Right. At all. You know, some of those best of uh, tapes, as we'll see, they don't actually have Hogan. Well, it took a while for Hogan to actually have a series of matches such that you could put him on every tape. You know, it's it's you can't forget that he'd only really been he only really had like one or two programs by the time probably only one program as champion by the time this tape was probably in production and they were selecting the matches for it. So it really wasn't. I mean, they could have. I know they didn't want to acknowledge it. But no, they no, like they could Hogan. not have done that. Yes, no. they could have done that. They could have. No, they had to pretend that never happened. Yeah. Well. It that did. was that was clearly the edict. That's a that's a very bright line between senior and junior is whether that late seventies Hogan heel run happened or not. Um, at least, you know that was their attitude in eighty five, in eighty four. So um, I mentioned that the complete match is out there because actually Gary Michael Capetta is the ring announcer for this show. It's easy to forget that he was um, doing a lot of the Pennsylvania area shows. Don't forget that. I for, I do forget that. The Athletic Commission in Pennsylvania was assigning ring announcers, um, referees, as well as doctors, as we talked about during the George Zahorian episodes of The Trial of His Life. So he uh, was the WWF's uh, ring announcer as appointed by the commission when they came around Pennsylvania as a Pennsylvania guy himself. And he he said uh, to the people that night that this is the first time in wrestling history that there will be a 10-man tag, best two or three falls, and a two-hour time limit. So that that promoted right. some moves in Oz. Yeah, they should do that again, man. They should... With ten man tag and say it could go two hours on Raw yeah, and people I would love that's it. Fine, people would go. People would go for it. So uh, Snuka has uh, Morocco, who was Intercontinental Champion at the time, and a side headlock and tags in Pedro Morales, who he took the belt from, and they go ape shit for Pedro. Um, I'm can, glad someone did. You can kind of faintly hear Gorilla's voice in the opening moments. Here comes Pedro. Yep. A huge right hand drops Morocco. They want it bad. Then there's a jump cut tag to Andre. And they further explode. Oh, there's a jump cut. It's like, it, why did you? Why didn't you just cut to that? This whole why thing is have, here to show Andre hitting a guy with his ass. Just show right. it. Like, why show just Pedro's show hot why, tag? Why? Why the snooker in with Morocco? Why the tag to Pedro? And then the tag to Andre? Why are we watching all this shit beforehand? So Andre whips Morocco in, boot over the top. He goes face first into the railing. Does Morocco? Rose and Stevens go over to help him. He slouched on the uh, the guardrail with the color guy, Dick Graham, saying, um, I wonder if he really wants to get back in the ring. They both roll Morocco back in, red, white, and blue ropes at the time, which yes. I didn't realize those were already in play, but they were in 83, apparently, in, in the spectrum at least. Headlock push off. Andre does a drop down. You heard that right. Yes, he does. And then what does he do? He comes up, bent over with his ass yep. pointed ass at Morocco. facing Morocco, and Morocco collides with it, and it's 
like crotch first and everyone laughs. Yeah, they, they, they especially go crazy when Morocco pulls down Andre's pants and enters him. <laughs> especially yeah, when, when when Morocco pulls his pulls his pants down and he's fucking you know, they, they you realize why they used to, why they would call him the Rock Don Morocco. Yeah. And he's rock hard and he just enters Andre. Full the- penetration on uh, on a taping at the spectrum. The people love it. It's a hilarious spot. You see like you know, the old crotchety guys with the glasses, right, the, the Coke right. bottle glasses in the front row losing their minds at how funny yeah. it is. They, 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 you know, I, the only thing that's missing here is I, I can't believe that, that there was no there was no joke referencing Pat Patterson at all. Right, especially with Ray Stevens in there. You know, to me, that that's going to be one of the funniest things. Like, you know, there was not funny, but like one of the weirder things, because given how how blatant they were about making references to Patterson's homosexuality, that there was nothing in there yeah, in I think, the commentary um, for it. I don't know. I don't know if they were doing that so much as when Pat was the babyface color guy to Vince. Um, Maybe. Yeah, that, that this was still that era. That was more like... Um, I'm trying to think. When, when we watched something... The Stooges era Patterson that they would always no, say. But they, no, they did. No, but on commentary, they did something. Where were we, we, we watched some tape with old stuff. And they were talking about how Steve Lombardi went to the Terry Garvin School of Self Defense. No, no, this was this was an old tape. I don't recall. This was an old tape, and I remember Gorilla was on commentary, maybe with Lord Al, and it was, and they and they made some reference to coming out of the closet or something like that. Oh, really? It was really. Either either the wrestler involved was gay or it was a Pat Patterson joke or something like that. Yeah. It was very, I was like, holy shit. Like, it was pretty, you know, direct. Well, and, yeah, there was that one match where Gorilla says something like, what did he say? Um, oh, my God, your lordship, he just fucked him in the ass like Pat Patterson. <laughs> that was kind there of. There was that one, too. That's what I'm thinking of. What, that was on was the that? nose. Yeah, that was on the nose. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, here we get uh, this is this is gorilla the not the commentator gorilla but voiceover gorilla uh, has some comments on the uh, on Morocco you know penetrating Andre's ass crotch first the magnificent one Morocco found out that running into the back end of Andre the Giant is something like running into the front end of a Mack truck so something like that. Yes, something like that. So imagine, never mind. So, um, for what it's worth, Belomo took the first fall, and the heels took the second when Snooka uh, missile drop. Oh, it was Belo- elimination. I yeah, it was elimination. Yep, two out of three. And um, oh, two out no, of three. Uh, no, pardon me. Uh, four out of five, which is a cool novelty to the oh, match. Interesting. Yes, right. that's yeah. that was something else that made me think they should do that today because you never see that best four out of five. I bet that would draw ratings. Um, Belomo took the first fall. He won the second when Snooka missile drop kicked Belomo onto Fuji, and then Snooka did a drop down and a sunset one two three on Buddy. And then the fourth fall, they all scram and there's a count out of the ring. The heels scram and the baby faces win. Wow! All right. So uh, yes, then we see Gorilla voicing over the Tuesday Night Titans logo. Yep. Letting us and know that the fashion plate, Freddie Blassie has advice to the Lovelorn. This is the theme of the whole fucking. This is when it becomes the TNT show. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes in, you realize this is going to be pretty much what Vince considers the best moments of TNT thus far. Well, not even that, but just like these, these. this is what they think to be funny. And again, 
we know that 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 backstage interviews happen all the time. Why aren't we making reference to those fucking things being funny? These are bloopers, boss. They're not bloopers. Come on now. They're not. They are outtakes. So behold young Vince. They also don't. I mean, they, they like Vince cracks up, but he doesn't like. I don't know. Like, like It's not one of those moments where everybody cracks up. You know, right, to me, right. that's a blooper. Everyone fucking loses their shit and they break character. Like that's you hear Kevin Dunn and Fink cackle behind the camera kind of right, thing. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, he's with Blassian. Behold, young Vince Jr. Behold. Oh, man. That face, like all those like contortions he makes when the heels those say something teeth. objectionable. Those teeth. The teeth, the suits, the oh. oversized suits and the Rossling and the thinking he's kind of kind of debonair you know like he oh, dares yeah. to think he's kind of hip a little bit and kind of young that and fucking neck that long annoying swan neck oh my god that he tries to hide as much as he can but v- no Vince listen you always looked like you were 60 okay You're a loser you were never youthful i don't care what kind of stand back dance routine you did or you're a loser yeah you come off like a like a geek that everybody yes. kind of tolerates cuz he has money loser so there he is. Hearts and Flowers dress up the TNT set here as they talk about some letters from viewers of TNT that are sent in seeking love advice from Fred Blassie or whoever happens to be Vince's guest for this segment. Here, the manager extraordinaire to lend his expertise in a little different manner. Uh, these questions, Vince tells us, are from individuals who have some problems, Mr. Blassie. And he says, Fred Blassie, everyone's grandfather ever, first of all. He really is. I mean, he's definitely a grandfather of, of that, like, you know, of that generation. Right. Grouchy, grumpy, everything sucks. Right. You know, you're a fucking idiot. But he's still uh, very prideful, always tanned as fuck, still prideful in his appearance, still dating at 70. You know what I mean? Yes. Still dating at yes, 70, exactly. still driving a Cadillac, right? Exactly. He calls the waitress toots when he goes into the same breakfast right. place every morning for the same order. And he does not mind tapping an ass <laughs> he as certainly she doesn't. walks by. He do, and he certainly doesn't mind playing the I'm just an old man card when he gets called out for grabbing the inside of a thigh. Yep. Um, and yep. so there That's he is. Right. Oh, yes. You know, you know, you know, he'll grab an inner thigh and his thumb will just manage to just, oh, there's the, there's, there's the puss right there. Right there. <laughs> oh <my> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of plausible deniability when you straight up say, and I quote, oh, there's the puss right there. Yeah. Oh, there's totally the puss in- right there. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Innocent old man had no idea what he was doing. Um, uh, I have a cane. I'm not I'm not right in my head. It's a lot of pencil-neck geeks around here with problems. I you I'll what, guarantee I got a you big that. pencil right now. Show that in your puss, baby. You know, <laughs> I feel like I need, I need a lot more gurgling. To, to pull off a Fred Blassie. I just That's can't true. do it. I got it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, baby. Get your fucking thing over here. Sounds great. How can, you, how can you lose? To be said, hey, baby, come and bring your fucking thing over here. Yeah. What's the problem? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Music to any lady's ears, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, so... But- Vince says on, one of the letter writers says, on nights of TNT, I enjoyed so much. Uh, the problem is my husband enjoys TNT so much that he won't pay any attention to me. And then Blassie says, yeah, and he looks off and he... Here we go. Oh, you got it? Oh, God. He doesn't pay any attention to her, huh? <laughs> Apparently not, no. <clears throat> Has a woman tried taking a bath? 
<laughs> Using on your arm deodorant? Mr. Blassie, please. I've Shaving under the armpits? Shaving her legs? You goofy broad, that's what you gotta do! It doesn't say anything at all about that in here. Please. Well, he's not paying attention to her, so that's the reason why. You goofy broad. Goofy broad? That's what you do! I like to, I like to, know. That's the reason why! I'd like to hear uh, Pritchard script Baron Corbin to call Bianca Belair a goofy broad on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, see what happens. Jesus Christ. <laughs> goofy oh, broad? See, this is bad, man. You know, they can't hide from this. I know. This is it. This is what. what you, you, you pull your legs apart, stick a push in his face? This is what. This is Come what. Come on! Folks, this is what lurks in Vince McMahon's heart to this day. Absolutely. Let's not pretend Absolutely. that he might not use the words goofy broad, but. When he's sizing you up, member of the female locker room, he's probably thinking terms like that. I mean, I mean, come on. Did you, did you pull his pants down and put your mouth on his cock? <laughs> Cut. That's a blooper. <laughs> exactly. That's just what we can't use. Come on. Grab his fucking junk, lady. <laughs> Boss, if you could please ready Vince TNT for me. Um <laughs> it's, only, it's only the first Coliseum Home video release, but oh, I'll yeah. be damned, boss, if Vince doesn't lay out what it would essentially come to be the animating problem in his life, the, the force of evil in his sure. life. He lets us know right away the problem is... Obviously the problem is TNT. <laughs> That's from an AOL chat in uh, October 1995 after the oh launch of Nitro. Oh my God. Hit it one more time. <laughs> I mean, that's like the, this is lifelong problem. Obviously, the problem is TNT. So keep that one in the bank. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm keeping that one. So, uh, um, Fre- Freddie speculates that maybe the sheets are dirty. Um, well, just ask Melcher about that. <laughs> that's one way of saying dirt sheets. Um, <laughs> next question is, I got a problem with my husband who loves to watch the World Wrestling Federation. But after watching wrestling, my husband practices some of the holds on me. And then he smirks. <laughs> Gotta see Vince smirk at this. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, uh, this uh, maybe it's Blasio smirks. One, one of them smirks and it's money. Take my yeah, word for it. Uh, this is, this is the, uh, the beginning of the response here from Blasio. My second wife, I used to practice strangleholds on her all the time. <laughs> yeah, you should practice holds on your wife. You don't get along with them. Some of these broads got to be kidding. Kicked around and booted around. That second wife of mine. <laughs> Thoughts? The, the, oh, God. First huh? of all. Do you, do you agree with Freddie, boss? Of course. Of course. <laughs> kicked around. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta take my dick out and whip him in the face with it. Hey, That's how uh, you get Freddy. a woman in line. Freddie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right there in the face. There's my cock, lady. The idea that you would uh, slap a woman around, right, to get her in line, um, and that that's, you know, obviously the remedy uh, for the problem espoused by the writer. Let me tell you, let me ask you a question, Freddie. Would that universe of women um, against whom that would work, would that include your own mother? I did it. You know, my my mom needed to be needed to be fucking slapped around, so I took out my cock and then... The Legends of Wrestling, Classy Freddie Blassie. My mother fucking face. My mother had been a frail woman, but once I was born, she began putting on weight. She got heavier and heavier until she hit the 200-pound right. mark. Still, her Fat bulk didn't mom. slow her down. 
She worked in a cotton mill when I was a kid operating a machine. I remember my grandmother taking me to visit her at the mill at lunchtime and knowing that I was the reason she got up and worked so hard every day. If there was ever a God on earth, it was my mother. She was a magnificent woman. My father, who was called Jake in America, was a completely different story. He was a big, sturdy bastard who worked as a hod carrier, hauling around buckets Ooh. of cement dangling from a stick over his shoulders at construction sites. He did his job well enough, but when he got paid on Friday, he'd start drinking and sometimes would come out of his idiotic stupor until Monday afternoon. Wouldn't come out until Monday afternoon. What was even worse was the way he'd mistreat my mother. He'd call her terrible names, slap his hand across her flesh, and pound on her with his fists. I still hate him for doing that. And when the fighting started, I'd run a mile and a half to his parents' house and tell them Dad hit Mom again. My grandfather would tell my grandmother to get dressed, and they'd hurry to my parents' house, raging the whole way. You're a bum, my grandfather would scream at my father. You have a wonderful wife, and this is how you treat her? You don't deserve your wife and son. You don't deserve anything. But my father didn't care. Boss, hit that last clip again from Freddie Blassie, please. Here, hold on. Let me, let me. Oh, the one I just did? Yes. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Sorry. My second wife, I used to practice strangleholds on her all the time. <laughs> yeah, you should practice holds on your... Why if you don't get along with them? Some of these broads got to be get kicked around and booted around. That second wife of mine. <laughs> kind of hits different, doesn't it, in context does, of what happened yeah. to his dear mother? Classy, classy Freddie Blassie. Freddie, are you uh, channeling any kind of childhood trauma there? For I'm this? not channeling any of the only I'm channeling right now is my lust for pussy. Um, <sighs> Among the things that the blood writer says he, um, her husband practices on her are the superfly leap from the top of the dresser. <laughs> and that, that pops someone in the uh, background. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a great way to gain entry right there. So, there you go, Fred. Nice, nice way to uh, call upon <laughs> and leverage your childhood trauma. Becoming your dad before our very eyes. Yeah, nice exactly. to see. Exactly. Um, uh, and this is the uh, this is the moment where Vince has that that horse tooth laugh, that is just that is just appalling, like to see those giant chompers. Yes, exposed. Watch for them. It's yeah. awful. Yeah, there comes so a time. Dana White did the same thing. There comes a time when hard scrabble um, hustlers get into power, and what's one of the first things they do is fix their teeth. Because they know their teeth give too much away about who they really are. You're going to grind those motherfuckers down, man. Those it, things are huge. Uh, Blassie says, um, I used to write a column for Hollywood News Gazette. Um, I'm the one who taught Dear Abby, or he calls her AB, and Ann Flanders. You know, there's a lot of frustrated women here. They install themselves in their soap operas. Some of these women weigh 450 to 500 pounds, like his mother. He's still, I'm telling you, he's just using his mother and just like trying to yeah. be his father. He's trying Jesus to inhabit Christ. his... Uh, dear TNT, it comes the next letter. I'm 60 and I've had uh, limited experience with men. That brings a cackle. However, now I feel like I'm ready to take the plunge. I have a nice pair of legs, a very firm waist, and a burning desire to meet a Rossler. Can you suggest anyone? Blasty takes his time, says he's got a couple of fellas in mind, strokes his chin, and says, you don't have to be 60 as long as there's fire and spark burning in that oven. It doesn't matter if you're 60. You never lose that desire. And he suggests Sergeant Slaughter for the lady. And, of mm. course, uh, Vince comes back with, oh, my goodness, I don't think so. Slaughter, of course, mega baby face still at the time. This is pre-G.I. Joe blow up. Right. Uh, Tito Santana, oh, Mr. Blassie, hardly, says Vince McMahon. <laughs> is there a more Vince response? Oh, Mr. Blassie, oh, hardly. Mr. Blassie, hardly. 
Come Hulk, on. Hulk Hogan, oh, give me a break. Oh, Tonga give kid. me a break. Vince goes, the Tonka kid, he's 18. He's a baby, damn it. Jesus Christ. Lassie says, well, he's got a lot of life in him. He'd be good for the old lady. The Samoans, he also suggests. Yes. And, uh... You ever see... I mean, McMahon, you ever see the, uh... The Samoans eat a chicken? Imagine how they'd eat that pussy. <laughs> Just chowing down. Cut. Fred, Fred, you can't talk about eating uh, pussy. I can't stress right, this enough. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Go again, go Three, again. Three, two, yeah. one. Remember, respond to the question. Three, yeah. two, one, action. I mean, you know, the, the, the Samoans, you know, you ever see them eat a chicken? Imagine how they'd eat that poontang pie. <laughs> That's not going to be okay for like 30 years, Fred. <laughs> for what it's well, worth. Uh, uh, how the, about the vaginal lips? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. For what it's worth, Vince and Freddy, what you're seeing here is a dynamic that was really dyed in the wool between the two. They would horse around all the time together. And, of course. Uh, Vince Sr. would enter the room jingling his quarters and look at the look on both Vince Jr. and Freddie's face and say something to the effect of, what are you guys doing? What are you up to? Uh, oh, uh, nothing, Dad. I'm good. We're, 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 um, we're, 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 you know, just, just going over, um, story, story. We're not talking porn. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're not talking porn? Absolutely not. I don't know what you would, why you would think that. Ben says in Fred's book, I can't remember ever exchanging a harsh word with Freddie. I just so appreciated him and all of his accomplishments. His passion for the uh, business and passion for life was contagious. We were very much alike in that way. Uh, look, passion for life. Pa- that, that, that phrase right there, that to me, yep. when you say passion of life, you mean somebody who gets in trouble and makes you laugh. Yeah, who's just like, right, who's like That's very impolitic. Passion for life means right. they, do, they don't give a shit and it's not actually, they're more of a problem. Right. Then, you know, someone with more passion for life will ruin your night out dinner. 
by right. screaming exactly. at the other table. And, right. You know, it's like someone who has a passion for life is always willing to take their cock out and right. show it off wherever they are. So you're saying Ric Flair, Rick Flair has yes. a passion for life. Absolutely. You, you name any, any wrestler ever that has known Ric Flair that does not say he has a passion for life. He also has a passion fruit martini for life Indeed. as well. Yes, he does. He has a, that, yeah, that, there is a bar that will give him those for life. Indeed. Vince continues, my father was a different sort of person. I wouldn't say that he was puritanical, but he had his own set of values, my dad did, and they were high moral standards and things of that nature. I swear to God it says that. And things of that nature. Freddie and I would be joking about personnel or talking about women, and my dad would see us, and he could almost read our minds. What are the two of you doing, he'd ask, but he really didn't want to know. He understood. I'm I'm not sharing sex stories. Nope. I don't know why you'd think that. I can tell you that right now that we are not sharing any kind of inappropriate material. Between ourselves, Father, Mister Blassie, Mister uh, uh, Blassie, he understood. Vince concludes that we were up to, kind of up to, no good all the time. Vince and Fred, uh, Freddie figured out real quick to pretend to be friends with Junior, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. The playbook many borrowed from over uh, the years. Uh, you know, you got, a, got a big, 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 uh, big plate of pussy in my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> plate. That's right. A big fucking platter of fucking twat. Next, Monsoon says we're going to learn about vanity. Wrestlers take a lot of pride in their bodies, he tells us. They put a great deal of time in. They know they make their living off their body. Well, <laughs> might as well issue an inter-office memorandum, Vince. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yes, well, we want to, you know, we want to add something. You know, you are sacrificing your body for the uh, the purpose of entertainment. So, uh, you know, you got to take pride in that in that physique. And uh, musculature and, and other um, other things that notwithstanding, and um, so we want you to know that um, that sacrifices are expected to be made, and you will do it at the expense of your body. That includes you, Rick McGraw. And that's right, McGraw, McGraw, you fucking idiot. Your body is is at risk. <laughs> What a boss. They should have entered this in evidence in the trial. <laughs> Seriously, all they had to fucking do was watch a tape. Gorilla says, and they would know how fucked up the company is. They do whatever's possible to maintain the perfect body. And then he says, by working in the gymnasium and by taking all kinds of vitamins. Yes, by injecting yourself with needles in the buttocks, you will enhance yourself and enhance my television product. That's correct. You're not going to convince me that when Gorilla says that, that that's not said with oh my God. a wink to someone behind the camera. Vitamins, get it? <laughs> um, he says, but there are certain things wrestlers don't have any control over, and one of them is losing your hair. Hmm, well, actually, that is a byproduct of heavy steroid use, but we won't Indeed. talk about that. Um, Iron Mike Sharp, though, um, Gorilla tells us as we go to our next clip, had an answer for this problem, and it goes down in a hurry. And we see uh, Captain Lou Albano, um, who was managing Mike Sharp, load Sharp's opponent into the ring at a TV taping in Allentown. And uh, Gorilla tells us in the voiceover, not only did Iron Mike Sharp win the purse here, he won the hair piece as well. Oh, my God. Jobber's name is Steve Gray. Yes, it is. And uh, we see some rights in the corner. Mm -hmm. I like the, uh, to me, the the thing I know Sharp best, you know, first of all, his, his, his rug, his carpeted chest and back, but then also his screaming, Ah! That's a good one, Sharp. Whenever he, whenever he fucking get hit, oh no! 
<laughs> hey, boss, can you give me your mic sharp, please? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that was me at about this point in the tape, too. <laughs> so he's got that gimmick on his forearm and he's clubbing oh, across man. the back of Steve Gray. Um, Patterson and Vince are on the call, by the way, yeah. working him over in the corner. And then as he's doing this, Steve Gray's fucking hairpiece falls off onto the mat. Wait, is that Steve Gray or is that Shawn Michaels? <laughs> well, he needs one of these, too. It flies up the same exact way that Shawn Michaels' uh, 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 ponytail would when, it would when he would just tie the that weird, you know, he it's so, uh, God, it was so embarrassing. We could do a whole series on Shawn Michaels' hair. Oh, seriously? And how it reflects, like, the different the, moments of his life. The right, you know, like the 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 blonde, the like frizzy blonde. Yep. You know, massive hair. The different the stages of his 90s. life, we should say, right? Yeah, from yeah, the and, partying and then and, like from from the awful mullet in the early nineties to the to I mean, moonsaulting his, his best, in Saudi his best Arabia. Hair was in this. It was ninety seven. That was his yes. best year for hair. Absolutely, Absolutely phenomenal. Hey, Great it was also his hair. best year as a professional wrestler. There it is. Look at that. What do you know? So that's the point, right? And then his worst year was the one where he had no hair and moonsaulted oh. onto his face in Saudi Arabia after he had right. retired exactly. forever in the storybook WrestleMania ending. Looking look like that guy who blows up shit and is a weird cult leader. They're still acting like that WrestleMania twenty six you know, send-off moment where he loses to Undertaker in the main event was Michael's last match, pretending... No, it's not, the, folks. No, he was no different than anybody you, else at the end of the day. You, you can't pretend when you keep it on your own fucking network. Oh, my God. All right? There's no pretending. Oh, Stop and by the way, pretending. even if it's not on your network, there's still no pretending. That's so don't right. get any ideas. Fuckers. So, yeah, this jobber's hairpiece falls out. He crouches down, and he grabs it. It's in his hands, and he's still trying to hide and cover his head. Oh, is this legit? Like, or, to it me, looks it to seems, me like it's legit. It really? Because it, to me, it seems so fucking, f- like, fake. He's got, um, the By jobber the way, has some hair, but it's like, you know, with the bald spot, almost a strip running up the center of his head, like a mohawk, but no hair there. And it's so uh, bizarre. Uh, by the way, uh, funny thing here, so... <laughs> It's not often you see this, but I, w- I was scrolling through uh, uh, Scott Keith's website uh, today, and uh, someone someone actually wrote an email about Rod Trongard. <laughs> they fucking wrote an email about to him. Oh, I see. To him, yeah, to him, to about Rod Trongard, and was like asking him if he, like, why the fuck did 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 Vince hire this fucking moron? Same reason he hired. Everybody else exactly. from the AWA. Despite. Ken Resnick and um, Al Darusha. He hired everybody. Yeah. As long as he could drive a stake in your fucking heart, he'd hire him. It's that I'm simple. I'm looking to see if anyone. <laughs> I'm looking to see if anyone from. <laughs> any Anyone from the solar system wrote something like in Rod Trongard voice. <laughs> I'm Rod Trongard and I like eating the fancy pants. <laughs> I hardly doubt that anybody did that. <laughs> And even if they did, I don't think he'd acknowledge. What's up with this guy? <laughs> hey, sorry, that's what happens around here. We take ownership that's of other right. people's personalities. That's right. We become the authors. So, <laughs> Steve Gray is covering his head up. He's tossed to the floor, and when he does it, he drops the wig in the ring, and the referee picks it up, yeah. and then Mike picks it up Such and lifts a... it up before the people. It looks like the ref is trying what to hide a, it. What a disaster. Yep, and that was it. What an absolute 
Carney-based disaster. Patterson just goes, oh, what was that? And then we cut away. And uh, now we go to the aforementioned Tiger Chung Lee skit. He used to break bricks, the martial arts routine. And um, he'd go out and purchase the bricks. About fireplace bricks, he says. That's right. He was uh, put in charge, apparently. And says, I bought fireplace bricks that had little pieces of steel running through them, so he wasn't able to, to break them. And uh, keep a good eye on Blassie, Tiger Chung Lee's manager, getting all bent out of shape and speaking even in Korean as his charge oh, fails to deliver the uh, the brick break. Yep. And even tells us to watch for Vince having to turn his back to the camera. Yep. So we go to the set. There's bricks set up, and he keeps chopping them, and nothing happens. And uh, a beautiful orange background on the set, if you must know. I know. Seriously. Like, you can't get more outdated 70s than that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know. So dated. Here he goes one more time, positions the brick just so, smash, nothing happens to the brick. More like, uh, you know, he's out there trying to chop bricks, more like he's dropping bricks. He's shitting a brick, that's right. Jesus Christ. Vince here's, is right. uh, yeah. here's, uh, here's Freddie Blassie speaking quote-unquote Korean to uh, Tiger Chung Lee. You sure that wasn't you doing Freddie Blassie speaking Korean? I mean, Jesus Christ, it kind of does. I mean, you talk about a way to Vince's heart. It's that. And you do, Freddie, if you can do, if you can do, you know, racist language, that would be fantastic. Like, just... Make up a language and say that you're speaking something that you're not speaking. Make noises at him. You know how Make the noises grunt, guttural, primal noises that we can say is Korean. Think how the I want you to think about how the waiters sing Jingle Bell at the end of uh, a Christmas story. Right, 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 right. Jinger bears. Right. Yeah. So Vince's neck in this segment is now crimped to the side at oh. a completely unnatural angle, trying to hide his laughter. Blassie picks up a board, and when he does that, he covers his own face because he's laughing too. Blassie and Vince cackles at this point and loses loses it. And Blassie covers his face, and we go from there. And now it's uh, Albano on the hop with a rubber band at his cheek. The best walking advertisement for birth control I've ever seen. Gorilla Monsoon says. Then we're on the set of TNT, sitting on the floor. Um, he says uh, medulla oblongata. He says he has an IQ of nine hundred and one point seven three. Like a, like a like a Greek god or something. Oh, he does the whole thing. Medulla helps the function of blood flowing through the pulmonary left ventricle. I'm a linguist, a bilinguist, a strategist, a genius. He's done, he did the same litany of things for like 30 years. He'd do it even on 2020. You know, he'd do it on ABC when they brought him in to defend pro wrestling and he stayed in character and still hit him with all the cliches, even in a you know, legitimate sk- environment. Skinny, skinny um, Albano that, you know, I'm. It's ironically, I'm more used to because that's who I would see. You know, and during my time, oh, the head watching, You know exactly, and and whenever he'd made, but he made appearances before and after that too, where he just, you know, he's he's skinny Albano, Albano, and he just doesn't look healthy <laughs> when he's skinny. Oh, when he's skinny, yeah. There's some, he's, yeah. He's there one are of those some people, people who, look, who like yeah. this looks way worse when he's healthy than when he's unhealthy. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's that uh that old Italian healthy. Like he clearly right. ate, you know. Right. And that's the oh, yes. if you have it looks like you haven't eaten, then that's a big problem. And, right. uh, you're not healthy. What's wrong? What's the matter? Are you sick? 
What's the right. matter? Why, 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 you're hungry? You need some... Why don't you settle down and I'll get you some food? Right. Okay, come on. I'll, I'll make you some... Look, I'll make look. you six courses. I'll tell you what. I got, I'll tell you what. I got some ravioli in the freezer. I'll make you some ravioli. Just sit down. I'll cook some gravy, all right? Just sit, sit down. Sit down. Settle down. All right, Carmella. All right, calm. All right, calm. Calm. You hungry? You look hungry. You're not eating. Me? Look hungry? So we go now to the pose down of the century. This is a blooper too, apparently, between Mr. USA Tony I'll Atlas say. and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. <laughs> I mean, the blooper here for me is Tony Atlas's uh, pose down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking dance, the way he moves and shit. We see a, it's kind of like a jazz club looking deal. There's a dinner table, oh, white tablecloths, Vince there in a brown suit. And he brings on Mr. USA Tony Atlas in front of this small little intimate theater crowd, this um, the so piano weird. bar this, kind of crowd. Yeah, I feel like we're in a cabaret bar. Cabaret, right. I, I don't know everybody here. It's clearly like friends and family. I think Liz DeFabio might be sitting at one of the tables. I would love confirmation of that because I don't know what she looks I heard, like. I saw, oh, I saw her name. Her name wasn't the thing. It is. It's listed in the credits, yes. Um, I know Rene Goulet is at one of the tables. Oh, he's there. He's sitting with Vince. Yes, at Vince's table. But other than that, I can't identify anybody. Any help would be appreciated. And uh, Atlas steps up, and they hit the Coliseum music again. The same from the intro. For Atlas's pose down, he starts doing all his poses, the whole routine. Nice tight shot of the back knee for those yep. keeping track. Yep. And then the music suddenly fades, and uh, we get some applause. And a guy in a crowd, uh, and we realize one of the guys in the crowd at this piano bar has a fucking mask on. I don't know what that's about. Uh, well, it's a, lucha mask. It's a luchador. Obviously. It must be... Uh, Mil Mascaris? It's not Mil Mascaris. I can tell you that. I don't know who it is, but it's not Mil Mascaris. Uh, then Orndorff's music hits. Well, how do you know he's wearing a mask? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could tell. Um, he's he's coming out. He's gabbing, but they're playing the music. They got a tight shot of the of the legs of Paul Orndorff, who looks more slender than Tony Atlas. This is kind of a kind of um stark I mean, the contrast. Yeah, it's very much so. I mean, he's definitely not Orndorff's ripped, but he's not bulky. Like Atlas, no, at all, no. I mean, um, he's he's yeah, he's well physiqued, but he doesn't look nearly as, you know. If I if I was betting on a look right there, if I was just making my judgment on a look at Atlas all the way, right, no question. Vince interviews him. They do applause. Who won? Who won? Um, and uh, he says it's very obvious. Um, uh, Paul Andorf says that I was the winner, and Vince uh, brings both of the gentlemen here and um, says by way of applause and. Um, they, they give the, the nod to Tony Atlas. Orndorff says he had a hard night last night. He's a bit out of breath. The, the applause for Orndorff yeah. is strong, but Atlas's is bigger. And Vince says it is sure. perfectly obvious to me you I were mean, victorious, is, Tony Atlas. It is, it is rigged, after all. Don't forget. Yeah, right. <laughs> Orndorff says that was a pretty quick count, wasn't it? Atlas says it wasn't so much up to you, the people. They was the judges. Ah, yes. Atlas turns his back on Paul Orndorff, which is a big mistake, and Orndorff slugs him. Come on, man. I know. Dumb move. It's just Bush League, man. Tables are now turning over. Glasses are crashing and shattering. So apparently Vince has a hard-on for, like, you know, formal dinner settings turning into all-out brawls. I mean, it's a cool little brawl. I got to support that one. It's a good brawl. One. I like this brawl. I'm a fan of the, the table flipping over and the shit going everywhere. That's the shit I always wanted to do as a kid. It's not cartoonish. It's very much like a real bar fight would look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or like a fight at a wedding, you know, where, like, the, right. the families are trashy and there's actual fists being thrown at a wedding. Um, and uh, Vince... 
getting in there. Be trashy. Why do you get to say it like that? What the fuck? Yeah, if there's a fist fight at the wedding, it's probably trashy. Yeah. Wow, look at you. What did you have a fist fight at the wedding? <laughs> that I don't remember. I'm, I'm just saying, man. Just <laughs> judgment is just so. <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah, I, maybe the classiest family you've ever heard of has had a full on pure six brawl at the wedding. Exactly. I somehow doubt it. You know, I would. You would what? Have a brawl at a wedding. <laughs> okay. I plan it too. So it'd be like pro wrestling. <laughs> yes, you you would do that. Yes, that's different. Yes. Um, so it's go so it's going down, and Vince is doing his great. Yeah, come on, come on, getting in between them. You know, like kind of. He's he's showing on his face yes. that he's ready to get physical, but he he's still standing at a significant distance and barely touching these guys as they brawl. It's hardly the uh, Vince that had the hockey fight with Bret Hart at ringside in 1987. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's also, you know, he's not a licensed uh, uh, entertainer at this point. That's accurate. Just, uh, yep. uh, the mask guy's in there, too, trying to break it up. And uh, he hauls off, and Orndorff shoves Vince, just like Bret shoves wow. Vince. Wow. And then Vince gets all awkward with the mic sticking out. Come in, Tony. And uh, Vince is giving is getting in there, and he, they break through a door, kind of pushing the two apart, Atlas and Orndorff and... Uh, Tony is uh, catcalling Orndorff after he shoved out of the room, calling him a crazy loon. What's wrong with him? Now, I don't know for sure, but this may have been inspired, the notion for this, by a real fight that Tony Atlas and Paul Orndorff did, had uh, really? on the road Yeah, in Florida prior to ever coming to WWF. Atlas tells the story in his book. On one road trip, Tommy Rich was driving, and I was sitting in the front passenger seat. Paul Orndorff and Brian Blair were in the back. For some reason, Paul was in a bad mood. Let me rephrase that. Paul was always in a bad mood. Earlier that day in Ohio, I had bought some barbecue ribs. You don't say. Paul began to yell, what is that stinking shit? I said, that's my ribs. I don't want to be smelling that shit all the way home. I'm going to throw it out the window. Oh, shit. Well, if you throw them out, I'm going to throw you out behind them. Uh Uh-oh. That set it off. We went back and forth with the words. If you think you can do that, then go ahead. Finally, Paul said, pull the son of a bitch over. We'll settle our beef on the side of the road. Tommy said, come on, guys, we're not that far from the hotel. Let's go down home and have a few beers. Paul insisted, pull this car over. As soon as my feet touched the pavement, Paul sucker punched me. When he did, I hooked him and put him down. I didn't know anything else. I just held him down. He was on the ground, and he couldn't move. Tommy said, all right, guys, let's break it up. Let him go, Tony. I didn't have any problem fighting Paul, but I liked Paul, and I still do, and I wanted to end our differences as early as possible. I said, I'm sorry if you're having a bad day, but what's your problem? He began to talk up. He began to talk, rather, so I let him up. When I released him, he jerked his head forward and bit through my earlobe. It's strange, but I don't remember him biting me. I assume it was the adrenaline pumping through my system. Tommy said, are you guys cool now? I began to relax and said, yeah, I'm cool. Paul said, I'm cool, too. I just want to let him know that I'm not afraid of him. I said, that's okay, brother. We got back in the car. When I did, Tommy said, oh, my God, Tony, your ear's bleeding. I never knew Paul had bitten me. The only reason I went to the hospital was because the earlobe was hanging. Oh, shit. Ugh. Tommy said, you don't want to run around looking like that for the rest of your life, Tony. Let's go to the hospital and get it stitched up. The doctor only put a few, a few stitches in and gave me a tetanus shot, but they kept me overnight because they said a human bite can be as dangerous as or more dangerous than animal bites because of the types of bacteria and viruses found in the human mouth. The next morning, we all met to go to the town. When I asked him why he bit me, Paul said, you took me down so fast and had me tied up in a knot. I didn't know what you were going to do. I'm sure that's what he said. Well, all right. We shook hands and agreed we'd never speak of it again. A few years ago, I saw an interview with Paul Orndorff. He didn't go into detail, but he said he bit off my ear and sent me to the hospital. That's the true story. Tommy Rich will tell you the same thing, and if Paul will be honest with himself, he knows it's the truth, too. It really wasn't that much of a fight. There were only three moves in the whole incident. A punch, a takedown, and a bite. He hit me, I took him down, and he bit me. Notice when Paul Orndorff fucks someone up, like Vader. They always have the story. Yeah, right. It wasn't even a fight. Yeah, no, you know, it didn't even have, you know... It was- 
He got me from behind. I was in a fucking real thing. I was up in there. I wasn't knocked out. It was, oh. I barely felt it. He punched me with that bad arm he has. I never held any animosity towards oh. Paul over the incident. Tony writes, I love Paul, so I don't mean any disrespect, but I knew I was the better man. I held him down because I wanted him to know that I could beat him. I didn't want to hurt him. My attitude had always been that I wouldn't hurt you as long as you understood I wasn't somebody you could play with. I held back on a lot of people because I don't have the killer instinct in me. I didn't get into weightlifting to convince people I was a badass. I did it so people would leave me alone. That's a weird <laughs> That's a weird thing. My mother made me... <laughs> the fucking hilarious thing. That is, that's like us. Tony, there are better ways to be left alone than to work out to the point that every single person yeah. who sees you turns their head and watches your every step because you're the biggest fucking human being they've ever seen. I mean, it's like, it's like we, we, we started doing a podcast because we wanted to be left alone. We didn't want anyone to listen to us. And we probably actually said that at one point. I think we have said that. I did it so people would leave me alone. My mother made me fight every day. <laughs> By the time I was 20, I had been We'd fighting. We said it on the fucking, on SNN. That's yeah, we sure. did. That's right. This that. show is not designed to be listened to or watched. Or watched. We're, we want to be left alone. <laughs> I've been fighting almost every day of my life for 10 years, and I'd had enough of it. Tony Atlas. So, yeah, maybe they heard about that and said, well, uh, well I got an idea here. Yeah, that's right. Enough is enough. It's time for a change. Tony Atlas. Is that how he said it? That's what he said. What do you say, pal? Are you ready for a change? And by change, we're going to repeat something that's already happened in real life. Yeah. Yes. Fuck it. Later on in the book, he says, a few weeks later, Vince Jr. put me on the Tuesday Night Titan show. Paul Orndorff and I had a pose down. When I was given the uh, nod by the judges, Paul threw a cake in my face. Didn't happen. No cake in the face. Right? Now, maybe he's thinking of the wedding. Yes, I think he is. I think he's conflating the wedding with what happened on his skit. The office told him to do it, but I didn't know it was coming. Yeah, you didn't know it was coming because it didn't happen. After the show, Dog and I had uh, to get to St. Louis, so Vince booked seats on a Learjet. He's talking about junk air, Dog. Due to the way things turned out, I wish I had taken a commercial flight, although the Learjet was nice. The flight crew provided alcohol, cold cuts, shrimp cocktail, cream cheese, and crackers, locks, and fresh fruit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. 
And people Fuck. say people Sounds say great. it's not about food. It's all about food. Like, what was the me? point I'm, of that? Why did you have to Christ, list the food? I was, I was full until I heard that. <laughs> Jesus. Well, now you're full and of shit after reading Tony Atlas's book. There you book. go. Uh, Gorilla's professional wrestling can be a very lonely oh, life. Oh, yes. Hold on and on. We need oh him God. to... This is huge because Gorilla is setting up this next segment by giving us some truth about the fucking business. All right? Listen to him. Professional wrestling can be a very lonely life, uh, in and out of hotels and traveling throughout the entire country. And sometimes you have to be very careful with who you pick for your friends. Brother. Yeah, dude. Brother. You, that's good. Yeah, dude. Was that, tra- brother, was that directed you, wait, at me, brother? Are you, are you, now, are, you say, are you saying we're not friends, brother? What are you doing, dude? Why? <laughs> yeah, I actually... I wondered the same thing, Terry, throughout the course of this videotape. <laughs> yes. Why? And uh, Gorilla says, take the Iron Sheik, for instance, who travels around God. with his camel. And here we go. Vince Animal Humor. Iron Sheik brought a big camel on TNT one week, and Vince is commenting incessantly about how bad the camel's breath smells and how bad his ass smells. We have a relatively unusual animal. <laughs> for me, it's not unusual, Iron Sheik says. I grew up with this beautiful camel. Vince says, excuse me, did you say beautiful? Iron Sheik says, I, I fuck you! I train with the camel. He says, Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan can't survive a couple of days without water or in the desert. You son of a bitch! Does he say desert? No, he says dessert. No, dessert. He and Vince, dessert. so money. He goes, in the dessert? In the dessert? What do you mean? Uh, the dessert. Uh-huh, I see. Exactly, Bob. I beg your pardon? Just that one at one point. I beg your pardon. <laughs> in the dessert. In the uh, uh, okay, I I see. Vince calls for his lordship, asks him, God. "What's your opinion of this animal?" Uh, well, you know the thing about the camel. Um, you know, uh, you know, Vince. The the thing about camel. Oh, oh. I think the camel farted. Pretty much what he says. Relieved itself, and well, you know, I'm 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 on quite a bit of uh, of, of drugs right now. Um, I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't know, know why what, I what, am. I don't, I don't know why I am, but I do wonder wh- who am. Right. Is, um, uh, I could go for an am and cheese sandwich. Sounds good. Um, what? Uh, I didn't, uh, your lordship, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Oh, well, um, you know, one time I did stick my finger up a camel's asshole. <laughs> that uh, I, beg, I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I stuck my finger and then my whole hand up the asshole of a camel. I see. Yes, I do see my hand up. The asshole, he says. Uh, <laughs> All right, fine. 
Of <laughs> he's he's a camel. <laughs> he is monotonous. He monotone. He's level-headed in describing what is admittedly an absurd scene. Um, and for some reason, upon repeating the description of what happened, he decides to scream one word in particular. <laughs> I had my hand in the asshole. <laughs> to put a fine point on it. So what Al says is, firstly, there is a most peculiar mm. aroma, which has got to be one of Vince's favorite words. Vince says we we see he, these protruding lips. Pecu- I think he's, he's moving. Aroma and peculiarity. Right. right. I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, it looks like the camel's moving his lips here. <laughs> Iron Sheik says, um, more gentleman than Sergeant Slaughter was, was ever is this camel. He never mm. spits or kicks. And um, he says, is the male. And Vince turns to him and goes, beg your pardon? <laughs> This is, this is, yeah. I don't know. This is hard to describe. Pardon. Is the male camera a camel one hump and the female two hump or something along those lines? Something like that, yes, sir. How do you know about that? How do you heard about the one? Is his breath breath always this rotten or is this unusual? Is he excited about being on TNT or what is the camel? uh, Most camels have names, most pets have names. What is this camel's... Uh, what do you call him in Arabic? Uh, just like I said, I got Ali Sarabune, Midna Shotoro Koja Bechabune. His name is... That's a long name, isn't it? Exactly. When you say giddy up and he goes... This is a, what, would you, what, what would be an American equivalent of that? Clot. Beg your pardon? Clot. Clot. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's get Iron Sheik to crack up laughing on TNT. That's money. Uh, cloud... What? Claude? What? Who? Who? The camel's name is Claude there. Oh! Oh, this is the one! I shoved my fist up his ass! <laughs> I'm down your lordship. Can I do it again? Oh! <laughs> Claude, did you say. Brother, someone named Claude going to get a push, dude? Brother, what, dude? Who's, who's pushing the Claude the camel, dude? Is this. <laughs> Hey, Iron Sheik is. Like, like, oh wait, so so you got the this name. So how would you say this name in 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 American? Oh, Claude, Claude, brother, who's pushing Claude the Campbell, dude? Brother, God, Terry, brother, ter- Terry, Terry, we're, we're we're filming a skit here. But brother, why, why you? I heard somebody's pushing Claude, dude. I heard he's who's got two Claude, humps. Brother? How am I supposed to pin someone with two humps? Vince, brother, um, Vince. Uh, uh, Terry, 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 I, I listen, there, there, Claude is a camel. There's nothing, no one's pushing the camel. Brother, why do you say push, dude? Why do you say, why has he got two, brother, I can't pin somebody with two humps, dude. Why you got this camel in here, brother? Why are you threatening me with this camel, dude? Terry, I'm not, I'm not, there's no, Terry, it's just a prop. All right, it is not a. It is not we're a. We're working a, here. We're not it's a we're work. working. We're working. It's it's all. It's a work, brother. Why are you working me, dude? That's what I want to know, brother. You told me I'm the champion, dude. You told me you're gonna book me far, brother. Terry, we're trying to do that. Fuck you, brother. I'm gonna pin this <laughs> fucking camel, dude. I'm gonna get him, dude. I'm gonna take him down, brother. <laughs> Terry, Terry knocks it over. Terry, Terry, <laughs> brother, I got the goddamn camel, dude. I got him. I got him. Make this count, brother. I'm counting, dude. I'm counting the fucking one, 
Two, <laughs> three. <laughs> I, I wish I knew what noise a camel made because I would have made it. <laughs> yes, that's an English one. So uh, Vince goes, Lord, you're standing next to the posterior end of the camel. Any action down that way? Yes. Oh, my God. Not. He says, I believe there was a little while ago. And I then, uh, feel it. I'll tell you, the um, the action that's going on in the posterior is rather squishy. Very squishy. In my hands. Oh. <laughs> Vince, have you ever handled gelatin before? No, no, Vince. Have you ever handled the insides of an apple pie? I see. Uh, uh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, um, the soft and the crunchy. Do you know... <laughs> I, do you know what I'm referring to? Oh, that to? really puts me there, Al. The soft and the crunchy. Now I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Uh, um, I, I, I see. Uh, hmm. I, I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I said that I'm not uncomfortable at this stage of the game. Oh, yes, of course. I, myself, am very comfortable with the soft and the crunchy. Oh. Part of this complete breakfast, as a matter of fact. I believe that that camel droppings is part of my complete breakfast. So Iron Cheeks says, Sergeant uh, Slaughter won't insult my camel now. And then he goes out back and smokes a few camels, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, he does, I'm sure. Gorilla Monsoon then transitions to on the TNT set where Vince had Kamala on. I think this was Kamala's very first appearance on WWF television. Yes. As uh, Vince right. yeah, introduces another guest surprise. Guest performing uh, with, with the famous performing chicken. We have to watch closely for a chicken performance, we're told. Gorilla I, says. I don't fucking understand. What is this famous performing chicken? Uh, I don't know. I guess the chicken uh, goes into business for itself and is kind of <laughs> difficult to handle and it leads what? to hilarity. Why? Yeah, bro, what are you saying, dude? Why are you saying this? Wait, brother, are you saying this chicken? I just want to listen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not paranoid, brother. I'm not nervous. I'm not feeling feelings. I'm just curious. People for the ethical treatment of animals. How can I help you? Brother, I think that I could ask something, dude. Are uh, you... Who's a, this? <laughs> it's his phone manner when he calls PETA. <laughs> Brother, I got to ask something, dude. Right out of the gate. Okay, well, all right. Hold on. Let me get my notepad here. Brother, who I am is not important right now, dude. What I have to ask, brother, is it okay... For, for, for. <laughs> Can you spit it out, sir? For perform- <laughs> pro forma? Is that what you said? Is it okay for pro forma? Brother, brother, well, well I'm just curious about it. <laughs> Is this a prank call? I've gotten three of these this week, and we really don't appreciate it. We do serious dude, business. Uh, brother, I'm telling you right now, no prank, dude. Well, I just want to know, brother, is it okay with your organization, dude, if a performing chicken gets a push? Like off of a off of a ledge or something? What do you mean? No, a push? push to the main. <laughs> that would be problematic. Yes. So you say. So I I should feel threatened, brother. If if 
<laughs> Vince is watching him across if, the room. He's on the phone. So I should feel threatened, brother, if somebody, if if maybe one of the higher ups, brother, is pushing this performing chicken to the main event. Is that what you're saying, dude? That I should be worried. Yes, yes, sir. I'm saying you should be worried if indeed the chicken is being pushed to the main event. Yes. Not pushed, but pushed to the main event, I would be concerned. Yes. And as an organization. Okay, okay. well, hold on. I got another question for you, dude. Should I be worried about my spot, brother? Yes. You think the chicken's going to take my spot, dude? Yes. Chicken push. That's what I'm saying. You're talking about chicken push, brother. It's performing chicken push, dude. <laughs> Did you talk to Vince, brother, about this? Because yes, I'm feeling Pete. nervous, dude. Because I, I earned my spot, brother. From what I understand, you know, I pinned, sir, what? internally at the office of Holly Hill Lane, they call it PCP, performing. I don't chicken know what, push. The, brother. I don't know who you're talking about, dude. But right now, you brother, I me. have a chicken here, I, <laughs> dude. You gotta listen, brother. Because we're talking about a serious fucking matter. We got a chicken here, dude, that performs. Okay, brother, I haven't seen its move set yet, dude, but it performed, brother, and it has been recognized as a licensed performer, brother, and it's going to get a push, dude, based on what you've told me, brother. That means my spot is up for grabs, dude, and I don't have my spot up for grabs, brother. I just got here, dude, and I'm not willing to sit down and lay down for a fucking bird, brother. I'm going to cook this fucking bird, dude. I'm going to make it my breakfast tomorrow, brother. Vince, realizing that Terry is onto his scheme, silently gives the, the high sign to Patterson and his the rest of his inner circle to cancel the pending push of the uh. performing chicken. However, Vince, in the back of his mind, pledges one day <laughs> to trigger Hogan in a similar fashion. Fast forward to 1988-9, locker room, Hogan lacing up those yellow boots, in walks the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor. Brother. And, and the look on his face. I, bro, are, you, are you a dude yeah. brother you're supposed to be move the cow brother what the fuck's going on dude would you move the cow brother we, barnyard dude are you are you a chicken why brother? are you are you performing chicken brother are you a fucking performing chicken brother is that what you are dude is that your gimmick dude are you the performing chicken brother let's go to vince's office we're gonna talk I'm, this dude we're, we're getting this straight now brother because i'm fucking pissed right now dude yeah. i'm horrified right now brother as what you're trying to do to me dude why brother Thanksgiving 1990. Why, dude? <laughs> Thanksgiving 1990. Terry. Hey, come here. Terry, brother, did you hear about this dude. gobbledygooker thing? This, this what, egg? brother? What's, what's this, coming out, What's coming out what? of the egg? Is it that turkey brother, again? Is it, it that chicken? That fucking dude, chicken brother, from Tuesday Night Titans. Dude, I, I have... I'll put this thing to rest, brother. When you tell me the chicken... You tell me that fucking performing chicken's back, dude. Well, I have... It's the same. Diego, had, it's clearly a knockoff. Listen of the to San me, Diego brother. I have, I have to deal with lawsuits, dude. I have to deal with 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 violation of my wife, brother. With this fucking performing chicken, dude. What? Are you telling me he's in the building right now, brother? Because I'm gonna fucking kick his ass, dude. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Or maybe I won't. I might run away, brother. What? What is he here? Where is he, dude? He's gonna Why be is he here? What? He's going to be at Survivor Series. I'm at... Oh, brother. What's Hector Guerrero doing here, brother? Is he... 
Would it, What's a Guerrero doing here, dude? Why are we I bringing think, this? I think, why are we bringing I think, I think in he's these Lucha the What the fuck's going on? Why? Are we talking about a Lucha chicken, brother? I th- is that what this is, brother? Are we talking Chicka Libra, brother? <laughs> Liberated chicken, dude? I think Pollo Mania is going to run wild. Are we talking El Pollo Loco, brother? <laughs> yes. I, I, I Listen, brother, I can't deal with Pollo Mania. Right, Pollo Mania is not a thing, dude. I, I didn't accept this, brother. I didn't approve it, brother. Now you're Who's put, talking about Pollo Mania? Now you're gonna put Who's a, doing this, brother? Now you're going to put a real worker in the chicken soup, brother? You got and a I'm guy working. You got about a that? real performer in the performing chicken get, get a gimmick, brother. What's going on, dude? I need to know what is going We need to talk serious, brother. Yeah. We ain't talking turkey or, no, or chicken, talking. brother. I'm not <laughs> talking any foul, brother, because I smell foul, dude. And I'm talking me personally smelling foul. I smell foul, brother. So now if you wonder what the fuck was going through Vince's head with the red rooster and the gobbledygooker, now you know. It's to fuck with Terry based on this thing. So Gorilla tells us to watch closely for the performing chicken um, who uh, puts on quite a performance here. Uh, Vince says on the TNT set, I did not realize this was going to turn out to be lunchtime for Kamala as Friday and manager Fred Blassie make their way to the set. They come out to a weak chorus of boos if this was anything like the primetime wrestling. And what do they got, like 10 people in the audience for this thing? Right. If this was anything like the primetime wrestling, it's you know, people who work for WWF. But unlike primetime right. wrestling, where the studio was you know down the street from Titan Towers in Stanford, they shot this in Maryland, um, Tuesday Night Titans. And so wow. I'm sure it was a much more of a, a skeleton crew that had to make the trip to shoot this thing. Therefore, uh, the more sparse sounding crowd reactions. I do appreciate the, uh, you know, there's something about the intimacy of these segments that I kind of enjoy. Like, yeah, I like the idea of a small crowd um, and, and like feeling a small venue. I don't know. There's something about it that I, that I do enjoy. That's yeah, very, um, very unusual and novel in wrestling. Sure. Uh, I agree. It's not, you know, Vince would poo poo studio wrestling all day, but that's what this was. You know, it, it was just right. Just the interviews, no matches. Um, and so they're sitting there, um, weak chorus of booze, uh, on the couch, and then Friday drops the cage down, and this is the very first appearance of Friday, we're told. And uh, we get the famous performing chicken who's in the cage with its own Chiron, and Blassie says, this is a very great chicken. Vince says, I think I see what you mean by performing chicken. Ah, ha, ha. So Kamala comes out and hovers over the chicken cage, and Blassie says he has to be fed at the exact time every day. Or else he'll get cranky and crazy, and it's getting close to that time. And Kamala's on his knees with his spear, his war spear, looking at the chicken from all angles. And Vince declares he's going to eat him alive. No, I think actually Blassie says that. Vince says, no. No, you can't eat him alive. And there's a scream from some woman in the audience as Friday now has reached into the cage and grabbed the chicken who's fluttering and flinging about. So, yeah. Kamala grabs the chicken, and these people actually think they're going to see Kamala Ozzy Osbourne style, bite this thing's head off, but instead what they do is they dissolve. Yep. And uh, then it's uh, Kamala sitting there with chicken feathers in his beard like Daniel Stern. The fuck you take risk a chicken? <laughs> I just take your shoes off. <laughs> Did your clothes on? You <laughs> what the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Exactly. <laughs> exactly it Kamala Joe Pesci looking like a chicken Kamala speaks the book Uh, 
As the WWF was expanding its reach to the public and trying to conquer the world, they figured they needed to pull in all different types of viewers. That's when they created a talk show style program like Johnny Carson's Tonight Show called TNT Tuesday Night Titans. The show had only the highest quality content in professional wrestling programming. This is where Kamala ate a live chicken on television. Before you call PETA, the animal was not harmed in the least. No, Kamala. What about the most? (laughs) Yeah, right. Kevin Sullivan did not say he was going to call people for the ethical treatment of animals. He said he was going to call his brother-in-law, Peter. Peter. I'm going to call Peter, who lives with my father. (laughs) The organization lives with your father. Okay. (laughs) To really get Kamala over as an animalistic wild man, Kamala writes, we filmed his chicken dinner being delivered to Kamala. I put the chicken up to my mouth, and then they just stopped the tape and put the chicken back into its cage. The cameraman then went live back, and in the next shot, it was just Kamala with a face full of feathers. My wide-eyed feather face stared at the camera, along with Vince McMahon's totally disgusted mug, and made for one of the most foul, F-O-W-L, moments in WWF history. Would I have eaten a live chicken for WWF if I had to? I used to love going up to Montreal. (laughs) That's where it changes subject. I repeat. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I repeat the two lines back to back in the book. Would I have eaten a live chicken for the WWF if I had to? I used to love going up to Montreal. There was a place there. I can't remember the, remember the name. They gave I, you live chicken? <laughs> I, that's what he makes you think. It's where he's uh, going, but not quite. Okay. It's even more of a non sequitur. There was a place there. I can't remember the name where I used to get smoked turkey and smoked duck. I used to get the whole duck. You don't say. <laughs> I would pick the whole thing up and hold it to my face. Then I chewed on the neck like a savage and loved every minute of it. However, I'm sorry to destroy the fantasy, but I always ate it cooked. Uh, oh, okay. After my first appearance on the TNT talk show, Eating Live Animals, they had me terrorizing a number of the WWF stars. For about a month straight, they built me up to be pretty much unstoppable, beating everyone they put in front of me. It worked. The kids in the arenas cried when I made my entrance and booed at my victories like never before. Kamala, with Freddie Blassie, owned the WWF ring for three weeks, searching the one big man enough the one man big enough who could potentially take me on, Andre. And that leads to the Andre clip we see in the beginning of the video. But uh, that's Kamala reflecting on this Indeed. strange point in his career. He didn't deny he would eat a live chicken, but um, he also says how much he loved takeout later in the, in the book. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that. There he You know, he doesn't specify, but he does... He he does he does imply that he enjoys that his favorite his favorite takeout re, uh, uh, restaurant was the uh, the animal farm down the street from where he lives. Right. <laughs> Vince had me flying all over the world. I was seeing sights I'd never before seen and experiencing things people never get to experience in their whole lifetime. I was sitting there eating takeout, that including men sticking needles in their asses. No, it, it was uh, men sticking other things in other asses. Ah, yes. I was sitting there eating takeout in bed. <laughs> good takeout food was my ring rat I didn't eat sex oh with some party God. girl just give me some food and I was as happy as a pig in shit <laughs> some fried chicken and some cheeseburgers and ribs and it's all about food I mean how many more goddamn times food. Tony Alice pizza. talking about ribs and I mean you, you just imagine Kamala again you know like with all this stuff he's talking about ring rats so He's going to be naked on that bed with like a picture him with a pizza box on his belly, <laughs> naked, and just eating slices. Uh, now, let me tell you the joy of eating chicken wings in a hotel room bed. 
I guess he had wings in the room. Oh my! That guy, that's a shirt. Wings yeah. in the room with Kamala's wings in the room. face. We got we had fucking burger in the room. We got cheesesteaks in the room. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I love to eat me some wings in bed because oh in bed God. everything becomes a napkin. Oh, he does not say that. Yes, he says that. You think I came oh. up with that shit? Yes. Kamala. I mean, okay. He leaves a hotel room and the white bed sheets are covered in chicken grease and sauce. Right. You don't know if it's blood or not. And then he goes to sleep in it. Oh, what a. Is that not what we eventually would have dreamt up if you gave us a half hour to come up with? I don't need to clean up the sauce. Sauce up from my sleep. Sauce just. Oh, Imagine how many wings he ate. You know, I like the smell as I'm sleeping of the steak. Because, you know, there's, there's, when, when you put, when the sauce gets on the sheet, there's a blending of the, the chemicals. You know, you get the chemicals on the sheet, and then you put the sauce in, and there's a reaction that just creates a whole dynamic. Put some sauce on the pillow and then just rest my head. <laughs> and, oh fuck, you know, it's like it's like it, it, it's like it's like getting a hand job. Oh god, I don't want to move. I just want to stay. Kamala was 56. I was loving it. I was high on life, he concludes. This is him. Wings. This is him describing eating chicken wings in his bed in his fucking book. But I mean, you know, the African just eating live animals, this is just an avalanche of stuff that's not okay anymore. This whole tape. One after the other. We literally go from that to one of the funniest midget matches, Gorilla says, to ever take oh. place in professional wrestling. We're checking he all the says boxes. It. He fucking Oh yeah. The word the here, listen the word comes out the words come of out course of his it fucking does. mouth. Undoubtedly, one of the funniest midget matches to ever take place in the history of professional wrestling is what we're about to see. Okay, you can't get more completely un incorrect. Absolutely. That. I mean, there's so much incorrect about this tape. Danny Carpenter in there with the Haiti Kid and Gilberto Roman is our referee. So we have the match, and Danny is on top, biting fingers and having a oh, late I, lunch. This match is refereed by Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A little dry run for yeah. WrestleMania 1. Yeah. Right. He's having a late lunch, Gorilla says, like he'd know anything about it. <laughs> As Haiti uh, bites yeah, Danny you, Carpenter's yeah, that's one ass. Thing we can definitely guarantee uh, Gorilla Monsoon has never had a late lunch. <laughs> He's had he a gets second it right lunch. on time every fucking day. Oh yeah, Gorilla's the kind of guy that would have like a like a white tablecloth dinner backstage at a wrestling show. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Like full like Gorilla would order lunch from the place that Robin Williams orders like, dinner from when he's trying to impress his <clears throat> Mrs. Yes. Doubtfire. Yes, from uh, from uh, what was uh, it? Right. Oh, what the fuck? They get the jambalaya. They get the no, yeah, no, the, the shrimp, um, the in cream. 
Uh, Bridges. Bridges Restaurant. <laughs> Bridges Restaurant. <laughs> He's going to tuck into a little lunch, Gorilla. He's earned it. What the hell? You dress like a woman. Awesome. <laughs> Miranda. Miranda. Miranda writes, indeed. Uh, right, exactly. What a great point. So, yeah, um, you know all the hijinks of a Mindy's match. Danny, they're biting fingers, biting asses, running around in circles. And- I, again, this is not, I guess this falls under the body slam section, like, of the comedy. I, I guess. But, like, there's no bloopers, no bleeps, nothing. Nope. nope. Um, after Haiti Kid bites his ass, Danny Carpenter runs around and then rubs his ass on the turnbuckle pad and... Carpenter drops his trunks to show his ass to the ref in the bite mark yep. and Haiti Kid looking around. Um, what does he look like? What does Haiti Kid look like? <laughs> I was struggling to place it. He, he looks like I somebody, gotta, man. I got to look at him because I didn't really... Okay. Uh, I was too much like... Uh, that's your assignment by. here as I wrap this up. All right, all right. So Haiti Kid slingshots Carpenter. He lands on his face and then another one and he ends up on top of the referee and Carpenter ends up kind of rolling up the referee in, in the chaos and Kid counts one, two, three on the ref. Uh, that gets the crowd going. Roman Roman then gets in the Haiti kid's face and they're both raising the referee's hand and everyone's laughing as they do hijinks and physical comedy with the referee. And <laughs> he kind of looks like Bill O'Connell. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Now I can look at it in a whole different light. <laughs> yeah. When I see Haiti, Haiti kid. kid, the first picture, the first picture that comes of a Haiti kid. <laughs> okay. Hold on. The, f- the black and white one? Yes. Let me see. <laughs> yeah, look at him. He's got the... This is eyebrows and that kind of like that, that look on his face that, you know. He's got a... Is that... A, wait a minute. Hmm? Is that a... No. What? Hold on. Looking here. Um, make sure I have this right. Is that a mystery novel in his hand? <laughs> That's a dog-eared mystery novel. That John Higgins Club. <laughs> is that? Yeah. Is that? Is that? Is he holding a Michael Crichton book? <laughs> Swear to God, tremendous. All right. So there you go. Well, that wasn't what I was thinking, but what? A, what a fun idea. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, Roman gets pissed and admonishing the, the minis, and then Carpenter does a body slam, gets one. Haiti comes up with a headbutt, which, of course, they have to call the Coco butt. That gets two. And then he yeah. um, gets picked off, and he gets kicked off of Carpenter and lands in Roman's arms. He gets pushed back on top, one, two. You know that deal. Timeless, like they did it with Max yeah. Mini and uh, Jerry Lawler at ground zero in your house, too. Uh, Roman then stands up with his and um, stands up with um, one of the guys in his hands and drops him. And, I mean, there's this older. There's this. There's this. Uh, uh, he, there's a. There's a shot of him older. He looks like Louis Gossett Jr. Louis Gossett Jr. Maybe that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. And if you go back to the, uh, back to the main page, Haiti Kid, the one right below the first one, the one with Mean Gene. Yeah, yeah, it, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it looks like Louis Gossett there. Tremendous, tremendous. <laughs> so, um, yes, he drops uh, Haiti Kid and then walks away, and then Haiti Kid pops up and kicks the ref, uh, kicks the referee in the leg. And that's it. We don't even get a finish. We just, that's no. all we needed to see, apparently. So then it's uh, Ivan Putski teaching the polka. Yeah, I mean. Giving Vince a chance I, to dance Jesus with the ladies in the traditional outfits, right? Ah, yeah, it was a polka. I love a fucking polka. 
he's ah, just he, he's such a moron you know like all these people are doing like a God. you know a synchronized dance and vince is just Loser. all over the floor like just ah, ah. So, covering so much ground and stomping like, his like left him leg doing the, it's like that that clip of him doing the spin rooney it, it really is it's so annoying like stop it never has to pretend you it's funny fucking idiot so moron. uh Putsky's in there with his red t-shirt polish power I'll tell and, you, he um, puts the he puts the putts in putski. I'll tell you that. Yeah, sure does. This is some party we hear, and uh, we we go from Ivan Putski doing the polka to Hulk Hogan doing. Again, I don't the, know how this is a blooper or a bleep or a body slam. It's Hogan doing roids. Well, this I do know. This is here's a here's a, a, a gorilla setting us up. Right now, let's go to Hulk Hogan as he introduces us to the almost magical properties of Python powder. What we do is we take one of these Hulkster's powerful protein shakes. Well, that's for you, Awful Alpha. That, that looks just about right. There you go. Mm. Vicious Vince, are you ready? It's going to change your life here. Vicious Vince, oh my God. What Vicious Vince, Awful Alfred, and uh, uh, Python powder that has almost magical Qualities. Mm, this is going to change your life here as he pours uh-huh. Vince a cup on the set of No Holds Barred. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, okay. This fucking gray brown protein shake. Oh. And it, this is, by the way, the white Hulkster headband era. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Very specific. And I mean, I, this is still, if you, if you ask me, this is still AWA Hulk Hogan? Hogan that was at. Uh, on Johnny Carson. Right. He's big. He's bloated. He's not yet completely bald up on top. You know, he's still got a, like a little bit of hair. And he, and he, you know, I want to talk a little bit like this, brother. You know, oh, Johnny, dude, you know. He's well, still not doing know, the I'm, wide eyes, the hoops. Right, right. He's not like crazy. He's still a little. Right. right. If you want to call it, there's a little bit of subtlety there. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of cool hand Luke. You know, he's still trying to be cool as opposed to sure, his cartoon right, character. Right, right. So he calls him Vicious God. Vince. Yep, that, that's Vicious a good Vince one. Vince and awful for Alfred. So uh, yes, he says uh, this is going to change your life, and Vince says for the better. <laughs> nope. Well, uh, uh, no, no, dude. I think in a couple of years you're probably going to get indicted, brother. <laughs> I got more where that came from, brother. It's arriving in a limousine in a half hour. Yeah, I also got rigs, dude. Ah, well, I see that. <laughs> and, Loopers, rigs, and body slams. There we go. Now we're talking. Um, and and he's got these pills all of a sudden, and Vince freaks out about it. And in the way he describes it, as I'm going to play for you, it, I, I I said it at, in part one. It's it seems like it's the equivalent to cocaine, but in in pill form. Well, what you do is you take these twelve little vitamins right here, the Hulkster's powerful Python pack here, and you throw it down first thing in the morning. You'll be burping powder all day long. And the thing is, once you get these in your system, there's no stopping. You may have to work overtime, or you may need to train extra long in the gym, you know, because you're not looking. You may be shrinking up a little bit when you're looking in the mirror. And these things are guaranteed to keep you going all day long. Yeah, a combination of roid and cocaine yeah. rhetoric in there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, come I on, mean, guys! They're just fucking putting it on TV. Does they, this they, does this not age well? Not at all. Holy shit! Uh, so Jesus. yes, um, he says this may even change the color of your suit, Vince, and it's pink, of course, the fucking thing he's wearing. Yeah, so he pops twelve pills and then uh, downs oh. the shake. 
Oh, not too bad, they say. Also. Oh, I kind of like this. Not, it's not bad. Alfred, you should you should try that. Uh, well, you know, Vince, yes. I, I don't know exactly what it is that we're having here. You know, you talk about, um, you know, you 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 talk about about the pills. Al, drink it, what, pal. I, um, I don't mean to be rude, Mister Hogan, but it looks like diarrhea, like British diarrhea. You know, when I have diarrhea, it's it's got a pale brownish white color. I just want to be clear about this, Al. Are you saying you're too good to drink it? Because I just drank I, it. Are you saying you're uh, better no, than me? No, 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 I'm not saying. I'm just saying I didn't want to drink diarrhea. Uh, do I need to drink it? Do I have to? Well, you know, uh, Al, you know, here's the thing, pal. Al, pal. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Oh, thank you. But I just want to put this out there. If you don't drink it, which is totally up to you, then I will be forced to stab you with knives. Right. What? Why? Well, uh, just like you have the choice to not drink that, I also have the choice to murder you with sharp blades. That's my choice. And I can guarantee you this. There's that word again. If you don't drink it, if you make that choice, if you say, hey, you know what? You know, oh, Mr. McMahon, I don't want to drink the, the, the shit shake, which, again, is entirely your call. But that, in turn, will make me want to choose to kill you with knives, stab <laughs> you to death. So, yeah, just the reason I'm bringing this up, right, Lord Al, is because I want you to understand that choices, whatever decisions we make, they have consequences. Correct. Positive consequences or negative consequences. And I'm just letting you know that if you make the choice to not drink the fucking shake then I, that will then create consequences that will be negative for you. Because if you don't drink the fucking shake, I will fucking kill you. Choice is yours. Uh, uh, Clearly. Of course, choice is mine. Um, all right, well, I'll drink the, I'll, I'll drink, I'll, I'll, I'll take a sip of the, of the of the shake here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to fucking throw up. Oh. He's gonna... He's gonna puke, damn it. <laughs> Look at my fucking teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Now he's really gonna puke. So Al says, I appeased my hunger much earlier. It's I just had something appeased. to eat before coming here. And I just appeased my hunger. He says, I like to take something in the morning to get me through. Coffee and bagels. Can we, we're still talking about food. This is not us. <laughs> this is No, this is them. They're talking about food. Coffee and bagels. So Vince Taste said he likes Sounds the shake. Good. He says, this is fabulous, which is, man, is that not art imitating life? Oh, I know. Uh, down the road. And Holt says, you'll grow six inches overnight, but you have to train and pray and eat your vitamins, brother. Al's hesitant, at least uh, taste it, he says, and see if it suits you, Alfred. So he starts chugging, and he pretends he's going to heave, and Vince loves that. 
And uh, he uh, says, I don't think Alfred likes it. <laughs> I don't think it. Back to the TNT set. Captain Lou advice to the love lord. Vince and all brown in the chair. Lou widens his eyes for no reason like he sees a ghost. But he's probably, probably so does. coked up. So coked up. Oh. And he says, my husband um, is from the old world. He refuses to use modern hygiene techniques such as deodorant. And there's a permanent odor, Vince again with the odor humor, surrounding my husband, and I find it offensive. Captain, can you um, make me um, make make me all bad for not using deodorant? Some people are high. Oh, he says, it's not all bad. You can't make the assumption that everyone's bad for not using deodorant, Al says. Uh, some people are highly allergic to deodorant. If you can get some rubbing alcohol, put olive oil in it, and then what, add witch hazel, shaving oh lotion too, mix that, have him rub that on his body. Uh, you don't need it under your arms. Um, maybe right. slight arm. Mobby, what? Okay. Uh, he's, you got to trim the hair short under the arms yes, if you want to put it there. Of course. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a whole These plan. These things all make sense. And Vince asks Captain Lou, are you allergic to deodorant? Lou says, I occasionally use a little bit of deodorant. I don't need deodorant. I don't smell. I shower three to four times a day. Next ah, letter. No. My husband is fat. Many feel my husband is obese. Lou, it's something. And Lou <laughs> pipes in and says, that's something I can't stand for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, I mean, I mean, they talk about the fat man's guide to ecstasy. Yes, they do. If it's if that's a thing. And, and, and here's here's Lou here. Do you know about such a guide, Mr. Albano? Well, first of all, I don't really appreciate fat people. So let me tell your husband this. He better get on a ball and try to get that weight down because you don't want to damage the uh, vascular, the pulmonary artery or so forth. And my best advice Albano, would be excuse to... Excuse me, but before you refer, how would you categorize yourself? I don't call that fat. That's only muscle. I mean, you don't realize the uh, muscle uh, toning in that. So let's not... It's merely an optical illusion. Jesus. It is, it is merely an optical illusion. But he says he is aware of the Fat Person's Guide to Ecstasy. Yes. It was written by Rodney Eastgaven and Dr. Pupinick in California, eminent psychologist and gynecologist. We, we talked about that joke before from both ends. Oh, my God. Wrote it for women and men. Follow a low-carbohydrate diet under 20 grams of carbs a day. And I'm laughing my ass off because it's like, it, it's the same shit. Diets are still the same shit all these years later. Yes. It, no it, carbs. It, it's so true. No That's carbs. It. You can rename it 100 different right. things. I think they right. call it keto it's, now. Yeah, it's fucking don't eat bread. I get it. Fuck off, please. So uh, he says fat is not all bad. Some fat people out there are not still not bad people. Uh, cut to Vince smirking at that. He says all them fat mamas that love me don't feel bad. I'm not making fun of you. Look in the mirror and say, hey, I feel great. I used to uh, do that when I was fat. Well, Manho says that's comedy and uh, says I'm only swallow half the food you eat. And then we go to the next letter. My husband wears cowboy boots all the time. He never takes them off. It's difficult to live with him. Albano says you need um, to degrade the tissue, degrade tissue to wear them. What? I, I don't even fucking know. Take them off. If you take them off, they'll knock you out. Must be heavyweight athlete's feet in there. So you got to fill the bathtub with alcohol and let them soak. Your husband's in bad shape, madam. I'd hate to be around when the day comes when they put him in the box and boom, those shoes finally come off. So it's all about odors. That's it. That's, about, Vince wants to hear odors. about odors. Yes. That's his thing. Um, I can't. Samoans are never far from the dinner table. Nope, they're not. It's Vince and Al Hayes on the set of TNT, and Hayes is pinching his nose because of the pungent odor that he refer- references. He says it's like a bit like being struck by the bubonic plague. Yes. And- Here. That is uh, nasty as 
pungent odour I have ever smelled. It's something like being struck by the bubonic plague. More odours, by the way. My goodness. More odours. It just doesn't odors, stop being about... Odours, and look, we get the combination here. We have odours and food in the same segment. So they go over to investigate, and indeed, we have the former three-time World Tag Team Champions, the Wild Samoans, and they're cooking at the cooking station. They got a boiling pot. They got some sort of meal being prepared. Vince says, what are you preparing? And they make some noises, and he drops a huge-ass fish on the table. They fucking cut the head off and put the head in the water. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. They're dissecting and making faces and cutting the fish up, putting it in a stew, and and Vince is commentating the whole thing. And we get a tight shot of the entrails, and they're eating them raw, of course. So fucking nasty. They ask Alfred if he'd like to taste. Of course, he doesn't want to. And Vince says, you wouldn't want to offend the Samoans, would you? I don't, but I don't have uh, to eat that conglomeration there. Yes, I don't, I don't know that... Um, uh, Vince says, you know, I've never, I've never seen a good close-up look at, at, at Lord Al's forehead, but he's fucking carved up. Yeah. His, face, his head, his forehead has got the, the craters... Judo Al Hayes trying to draw gates in England. I think so. Doing what it takes. He knows He knows that the slice of the forehead is the way you got to do it. Vince says it may taste a lot better than it looks. I, just, I ate some just a little while ago. No, I ate just a little while ago, Al says. And uh, they put sauce on the fish. They make more noises. Al tears off a piece oh. uh, of fish, a fish and uh, takes a bite. And uh, Vince says, Mikey likes it. <laughs> Why don't you hit the Mikey wow. sound bite for the people? I know what he's talking God. about. What's this stuff? Some cereal. It's supposed to be good for you. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't need it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. When you bring life home, don't tell the kids it's one of those nutritional cereals you've been trying to get them to eat. You're the only one who has to know. Don't tell your kids what's in the fucking cereal. What is it with 70s commercials ending with a voice that's all quiet like that? (laughs) Let me tell you something, parents. If you want to get rid of your kids, do it the (laughs) right way. (laughs) Do you want your son in the back of a milk carton? Do you want... If you want that to happen, I can make it happen. Hi. Give me... me. He hasn't even introduced himself. (laughs) Give me a call. I'll leave the number at the bottom of the commercial. 555. My kid's been taken... (laughs) Can't even. It's awful. My kid's been taken. That's a long one. I don't think that'll fit on the <laughs> the dial pad at all. Shh. It'll fit, parents. Don't worry. Tell you what, by the time you make the phone call, it's already done. Your kid's mine. And so fade back, back to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> now it's back to like... Mary Tyler Moore or something. Thanks for Max Headroom for interrupting this uh, <laughs> this feed. I mean, it's just, mm. I love that. It's so 70s. Like, yeah. when you have your children. Uh, it's like, it, there's a scene, but we have to, at the end, you know, Madison it's Avenue still, still has to drive home. It's still like home. a 50s-esque type. The copy, right, exactly. Yeah. You gotta, like, you gotta right. sell the product. You know? Right. Let's reset here and do what commercials have always done. They don't even bother with that anymore. No. So, uh, yeah, Al eats a piece of the fish off a leaf. And uh, then the Samoans sit down to eat, and they give him a bowl of whatever the fuck it was. And, and Vince says, I think you have the head. I'd prefer the head. And Al looks at the eye. I prefer and, getting head. 
Yeah. yeah, pretty much what I think he was going for. Al says, uh, why would anyone in their right mind eat an eye? And uh, Vince says, if you would get the recipe later on, that would be great. And he says, the aroma smells really good, like eating out of a, they're like eating out of coconut shells almost. And um, yeah. Al says, Here's this, Al at the yeah. end that it kind of pops Vince. Do you know what this would give a cat rabies? <laughs> Beg your pardon? <laughs> that would give a large pussycat rabies. Rabies. Vince. Rabies. Loves it. I beg your pardon. <laughs> that was really good. Back to Gorilla, the biggest blooper of all time, and the biggest uh, something ever in pro wrestling is the Samoans and Rocky Johnson and yeah, Tony it's not Atlas. A blooper. It's an error. It's a historic title change. Is it's what a it mistake. Is. There's no blooper here. Imagine Moron. taking this incredible moment for fans that wanted the Wild Samoans to lose the belt so much and finally saw Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas pull it off to become the first African-American tag team champions and it goes on a tape as a blooper. Like that was the that's right. that's prevailing characteristic about the match. Yeah, because you know what? The big blooper was getting those fucking clowns to win the championship. Well, Gorilla gets the uh, the pendulum swinging line in, that cliche, and we go to the ni- December 1983 title change where the Samoans lost the championships to Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. Yep. Uh, Hamburg, Pennsylvania it is. Tag to Tony. He's in there firing on both, speaking hauling of food. off. What's that? So speaking of food. I know, absolutely. Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Sounds delicious. Double <laughs> noggin knocker and a headbutt. This action called by Vince McMahon. Rocky push off as Smoans leap out of the ring, and uh, and and so does so doesn't Rocky. Uh, Atlas then lifts Sika, and as he does that, Sika's foot hits the referee. This brings up Lou Albano to the apron, the Samoan's manager. Atlas headbutts him, and then Sika blindsides Tony Atlas and holds him wide open. At this point, Albano enters the fray with one of those old wooden chairs they used to have. I'm sure it's solid oak, boss. Jesus, that's, what, that's what Vince says it is anyway. He takes the big swing. Atlas moves out of the way, and Albano wraps the wooden chair around the oh. skull of Sika. And uh, cover one, two, three. People going nuts, bouncing and rattling, old and young in the building for the new tag team champions. Johnson and Atlas embrace. Pandemonium is broken loose. Purple straps on those championships, I'll have you know. And yep. uh, Sika gets up still with the seat on his head and bleeding. He did hard way in with that thing. And uh, Wow. Abano says that uh, uh, the biggest irony was that the referee didn't notice the necklace that Sika was wearing around his neck and consider it a disqualification. So that was kind of a... God. Kind of a tough spot for the ref to be in, but yeah, that was a very famous thing, and the Samoans would turn face off of this, uh, not accepting Albano's reasoning that they deserved it or whatever, and it's not a big deal. Uh, we see Here's a replay. A, during, yeah, during the replay, you got Vince, uh, again, very adamant of the uh, specific wood the chair is made of. Albano comes in, and is held by Alpha. Albano rears up at the solid oak chair. That's solid oak. Solid oak. He hit that K, didn't he? What did Paul Heyman oh script God. that promo? Jesus, that is uh, that's a famous call, famous moment. And that's the cover image of the whole tape, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's it. And uh, it's weird that they're forcing storyline stuff to be bloopers. So weird. You know? This is a title change. This is like show me the complete match. Make me. I mean, I get the idea that it was it's being it's being scripted as a mistake, but I don't know. It's yeah. not. I I don't appreciate stuff that stuff that is meant to happen to me is not a blooper. Not at all. I mean, it's kind of a it's a mishap for Lou Albano, but it's not a blooper, and. um it's it's just strange, you know. At this point, 
Also, it's a stage storyline. Like, it's not like a, again right. a, a a mistake. It's it's done on purpose. The mistake was done on purpose. Pretty sure by this point, Rocky Johnson was already leaving the company. As the Orndorff skit earlier indicates, they're having Tony Atlas break out on his own. This tag team, despite being well remembered historically, did not last very long. Um, Tony Atlas has talked extensively, including in this book, about how he just didn't get along with Rocky Johnson. We actually talked about this quite a bit during our Hall of Shame and Pain episode yeah. on the Rocky Johnson Hall of Fame induction speech. And um, there was a deal where Rocky kept doing things during the course of matches that would drive Tony Atlas nuts, kind of cut in on his action. Atlas would hit like a big press slam, which he considered his finish, and then Rocky would just pick the guy up and do a <laughs> whole new match with the guy with him no-selling the finish. Um, eventually, there came a moment backstage where um, just totally fed up, uh, Atlas threw the belts at Patterson and said, here's your belts. Uh, don't put me with Rocky again. He killed my finish. We can't work together. And uh, and then he sucker punched Rocky in the face. Atlas did. Wow. I would have hit him a second time, but the guys all jumped in and covered him. Um, and that was uh, that was pretty much curtains for, for the team. We lost the belts after Vince Jr. took over the company. He writes, and during a time when Vince Sr.'s health was failing... One of the last major decisions Vince Sr. made in the business was to make Rocky and me the tag team champions, and he wanted to give us time to get over. That was the way he was. Whenever Vince made up his mind, nothing could change it. When Vince Jr. took over, however, the first thing he did was take the belts from us. Correct. So that's why it's a blooper, because he thought it was I a guess. stupid title change. It's a solid oak chair, I'll have you know. That's what they say. That's <laughs> what Vince says, at least. Yep. So, uh, yes, we move from that to uh, Vince back in studio at TNT. And um, anyway, indirect, are you directly or indirectly responsible, Lou Albano? He's sitting with Lou. Uh, for what happened to the Samoans there? He says, I don't feel responsible no. in any way. Absolutely not. They're three-time champs. They're supposed to be so tough. Nine or ten stitches shouldn't have stopped them. They should have survived it, come back, won the match. If you're looking at me for excuses, it was a mistake. And he laughs. He says, it was a technical mistake, but so what? They're three-time champs. They should have been tough enough not to be crybabies. Do you agree with this? I mean, hey, you know, the guy's got a point. You know, they're supposed to be tough Samoans, you know? Like, Samoans aren't supposed to have their heads hurt, yet here they are selling chair shots. So, hey. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's their fault. Yeah, I think I'm with Albano here. Like, stop being it's a It's their bitch. fault that he didn't, that he hit them in the head. In his book, uh, Albano Reflecting on This Moment, um, to this day, he writes, I still marvel at that Afa was able to take that fall without breaking his neck. He calls mm -hmm. getting hit over the chair, over the head with a chair a fall. What a moment that was. It's funny because even though there was clearly a broken chair over Afa's head, indicating beyond a shadow of a doubt that outside interference had taken place, the poor referee Dick Worley had to pretend he didn't notice and count the pinfall anyway. Uh. So, yes, that was, um, that was a tough position you put Dick Worley in. Or on to Salvatore Belomo, who got a very yes, short-lived push uh, in WWF. This guy. Wrestler extraordinaire, he's called. One of the most scientific styles in professional wrestling. I'm sure this had something to do with Bruno's departure, pushing this guy. Keep that Italian. Uh, Real Italian. You know, that's right. To, we got Italian who cooks. How about that? Unreal credentials. However, recently, we, he was asked to give a demonstration of Mama Belomo's pizza recipe on the set of TNT. And it's one of the things Mama Belomo says is don't use a rolling pin. And so Salvatore Belomo does not use a rolling pin. To make his pizza. Is that a thing in, in Italian culture, boss? To not use a rolling I mean, pin? I guess. I've seen plenty of people use rolling pins. Yeah, what's the problem? And I don't see a problem with it. But Let's use your hands, whatever. I guess. 
I guess. So the cooking table, chef's hat on, all extra tall. He's got one of those 80s, you know, oh, chef's yeah. hats. Yep. Aprons. He's, and a, he's a gourmet chef. Uh, something like that. Hmm. He's with Al Hayes and Vince McMahon. Alfred looking ridiculous in his chef's hat. Oh, he's like a fucking buffoon. One for Vince as well that covers his eyes at first, and Belomo throws down the dough and kneads it a bit. Vince says, where's your rolling pin? And he says, a real pizza man don't use rolling pin. Vince says, you have uh, the power... Uh, powder all over your nose from the dough. Yep, and uh, here we get uh, here we go. Here we have a Coke reference it's from Vince McMahon to uh, Lord Alfred Hayes. And Alfred, let please let the gentleman do his own. You have powder all over your nose. <laughs> That's probably not the first time I've seen it. I'm not too sure. Let's have a little music, baby. Al Hayes doing Coke. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, I am. I always do Coke. I do it a lot. If I don't do it, then I sleep all day. He certainly delivers lines. He might as well do them, right? What? Yes, of course. Yes. Oh, fuck. And they play Italian music on the accordion, and it's laughing his ass off in slow motion. (laughs) Salvatore Belomo also with a gift for making those little model ships and bottles. You know that whole thing? (laughs) Yes. He did an article in the magazine about him being so good at that. Oh, my God. What a... So we go to the farm quickly. Um, this is a, a skit here where Adrian Adonis, who was teaming with Dick Barnock at the time, as the uh, the Southeast Connection. What was it called? The um, the North South Connection. The North South Connection. Yes, thank you. Uh, climbing onto a truck and taking a bump off the edge of it. No, he climbs on a horse rather because he's so out of his element, right? And on a horse ranch as a New Yorker. I, I don't even know what to fucking do with this whole thing. This is just weird. They would be uh, destined for tag team gold. They're being set up here. They would be the uh, transition guys off of. Uh, uh, Rocky Johnson and uh, Tony Atlas takes a bump off the edge of the horse and then they go to New York City where Gene Okerlund makes his first appearance on the tape. He's walking the streets of New York with Murdoch and Adonis and Murdoch yeah. says we lived on a 1,700 sprawling acre so this is quite a culture shock for one Dick Murdoch. Yeah, well, for me too. For me too. And okay. um, we stomp by and we decide to call some random woman on the street who I'm sure was not paid for this appearance and or signed any release on Sophie. And... Uh, Gene asks her, do you know Adrian Adonis and uh, Dick Murdoch, the world tag team champions? And she says, no, because they're such big stars. And he says, well, we're up here in the neighborhood. And uh, she says, all my life, I never saw him. <laughs> I thought it was Aunt Sophie. Maybe the case, maybe it's a case of mistaken identity, Gene says. Somebody in the top floor is waving down to Adrian Adonis. And he recognizes him. And Adrian Adonis Are tells him. Are these legit people? I think so. Yeah, I think <sighs> it's legit man on the street work here from old Gene Okerlund crazy they look like 1985 new yorkers i'll tell you that i mean yeah i agree with you they definitely look like fucking people who would have no clue who adrian adonis is that's right adrian adonis tells the guy the second floor to get back in the house see uncle joe on the streets the next guy they call him uncle joe and he's doing terrific he tells gene and he mumbles something about the vice president and then another one gets it are you two guys winning that thing by god they said it couldn't be done this guy tells adrian adonis and dick murdoch you two guys winning the thing. You guys, let me ask you this: Have you guys been scheduled to win the thing? Right. Are you guys? Is is it in the script? Oh my God! Cut. Are you? Let me. Are you guys? I just gotta know. I just want to know. Are you guys? Did you get scripted to win the um? To win the 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 belt? Eh? Hmm? Is that the storyline? Are you guys win? Who made the plan? I know it's all fake. 
Yeah, it's all fake. I don't know if Gene knows that, but it's all fake. I don't mind telling you. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind telling you that, that, that this is all <laughs> fucking ruse. Oh. All right? Everything you guys do is a ruse. It's an abusive ruse. Why don't you get back to the newspaper office and leave me alone? Oh. <laughs> then the old the guy lives in the fucking lives down fucking this part of New York. I right could now. see that. Where do you think they are? I don't. I mean, hard, it's hard it, to tell. It's hard to tell. It, it could be anywhere. So much of New York looked like this in 1985. I, I know that's just it. Like you know, the parts of New York that it's in, it's probably. It's probably been completely renovated and, and, and redone, and it's probably beautiful. You can't ask Adrian Adonis or Dick Murdoch about it. Yeah, that's true, because, you know, they're all dead. Or Gene. Or Gene, of course. Yeah. All dead. That's a, that's a wasted opportunity, bet, man. Gene. I wouldn't doubt that all the people who uh, were interviewed here are probably, they're probably all dead. Right, right. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, the guy makes says something about free tickets and makes some noises, and Gene says there's no such thing as a free lunch. And then um, we go to a fire hydrant, and Adrian Adonis said, this was the shower when I was a kid, as it shoots off water, and there's a little doggy there, and he says, this is where I took showers. The dog comes over, Adonis with the studded black leather glove on, because that's very New York City. And uh, Dick says, "Um, this is an all-new world for me. We go over to a hot dog cart, and Gene calls it a sidewalk cafe here in New York City. Oh, my God. What do you have? And they cut to the dogs in the water, and it's the nastiest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. Oh, it is so gross. I, I mean, mean, the water is just so murky. Oh. I mean, I have no doubt that, that is probably typical hot dog water, but Jesus, it is just so disgusting. It, it truly is. And uh, Gene asks, where do the hot dogs come from? And the guy running the card, who does not want to be on television, mumbles something. Hey, it comes from the fucking Seatown supermarket. Where do you think it comes from? Right. And Dick Murdoch asks, "Come over there at the bodega, you fucking asshole, prick!" Some kind of wise guy. Oh, you think you're being funny, huh? For your fake TV show. I'm gonna fucking shoot you in the head, you stupid. There we go. Fuck. Welcome to New York. Welcome to Big Apple, Gene. Uh, I your got, Minneapolis bullshit you, is going to go over here. I got fucking bullets in my gun right now. They got your fucking name on it. You stupid bald piece of shit. You fucking maggot. Fucking beat the shit out of you with my fucking cane. Asshole. Humbles things. And then Dick Murdoch asks for a Texas dog with some greasy chili and mustard, but he can't accommodate. And uh, Gene asks Adonis, is this where you, how you dined in your youth? And uh, he says this, yeah, this is it. Want some mustard? This is, this is where I get my first dates. Take my first dates to this place. (laughs) The hot dog guy asks, offers him sauerkraut, which is hilarious. That's great. I love that. Oh, yeah, that he's got crowd. It's great. Dick takes a bite, likes what you gotta he tastes. Have the, you gotta have the, if you're going to get a hot dog on the streets of New York, you got to get the whole fucking package. What do you get? It's ketchup, mustard, sauerkraut, and onions. Yeah, you got to skip the ketchup, so in my good. opinion. You got to skip the ketchup. So good. Huh? got to skip the ketchup, in my opinion. Why? Sauerkraut, onions, celery I'm salt doesn't you, work I'm, with ketchup. I'm telling you, nope. the whole nope. fucking thing. Nope. You're wrong. You're wrong. Ketchup. You're wrong. Everything you're besides ketchup. Wrong. You're right. You're you're absolutely wrong. Just I'm telling you, as somebody who has done it on many occasions, I love me a street New York hot dog, and I get it the same fucking way every bit of it. Hot dogs with ketchup are for six year olds. You can't do it. You can't put ketchup on your hot dog. You yeah, you absolutely it. can. Yes, you absolutely can. 
Don't be a pussy. You can put ketchup, mustard, fucking onions, and sauerkraut, and it is a magical combination. What say you, Solar System, particularly ones from New York? What's the only way to do it? I love it. Do you, I love it ketchup, yes the or no? fucking thing. The works. I'm not yeah. saying just ketchup. The works, the the works isn't works. ketchup. The works is included with the ketchup. Everything. <sighs> the works is everything. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <clears throat> what is a hot dog with the works? <laughs> the get works. No wonder a wrestler's order it. <laughs> you got to get a New York hot dog. Now, I'm not talking about a Chicago dog. I know Chicago's dog dogs don't do any fucking ketchup, and I'm fine with that. I don't think a Chicago dog should have ketchup in it. Yep, I agree. Chicago dogs are very specific, but a New York dog is a different thing. Yeah, it's just um, the works is for what relish Hot dog. and onion and yeah, but that's, that's not a New it. York. Hot those dog. are the only no, but those are the that's only requirements. That's not a New York hot dog. That is not a New York hot dog. <sighs> There's no relish on a New York hot dog. No relish. No, you. I just told you what you get when you, you can't get, get a hot dog on the street. You have to get relish. You know, it's it's funny that you're saying this because let me tell you this because you've had one of these. I know with ketchup. No, not with ketchup. No way. I yes, put we ketchup did. On it. You and I had them in New York City, WrestleMania 20. We both got these fucking things. But I didn't get ketchup. There's no you chance the I got ketchup. The whole thing. You got it the right way. The real way, which is with everything they offer you. I don't believe you it. get it with everything. This is post 9-11? It's 2004. Post 9-11. Yeah, even though everything changed on 9-11, I still didn't get ketchup on my hot dog. <laughs> no chance. All right, well, who knows? We'll never know. But anyway, they're eating here, and uh, he says no to the sauerkraut, and then Murdoch takes a bite, likes what he, what he, what he, what he tastes, which is no surprise at all. And then uh, he feeds the rest into Adonis's face, and uh, Gene says, "Pay the man, and we'll leave. I'm not picking up the tab." <laughs> that's yeah, yeah for, that's the fucking funniest goddamn thing, and the most accurate thing you've ever heard Mean Gene say. Pay the man, and we'll leave. I'm not picking up the tab. Huh. Maybe that's why they call him Mean Gene. Maybe. <laughs> that's cute. All right. So he says, uh, our little bloopers, bleeps, and body slams. If you haven't seen enough slams, take a peek at this. And they just play the intro again. <laughs> I swear to God. No, they just play the they intro packaging. They play the fucking intro. The whole montage. Why? Oh. It's a little more. It's got a little more footage. But Who they just cares? play it. I know. Yeah, but but again, they don't, they don't just... It's not like... I, I, I would agree with you if they... Um, it, it, but they they show the main opening thing and then they show a little bit more afterwards. It's so stupid. It is stupid. We go to Johnny Valiant now on the set of the uh, Lovelorn uh, show with Vince. Johnny Valiant, awful, just terrible. Oh, he is horrendous. Bad manager. Um, he says after watching fabulous physiques in the World Wrestling Federation, uh, this is the the letter writer. My husband uh, pales in comparison. What do I do? And Valiant is uh, saying, you know. Just because your husband looks like pale milk, I have to assume oh. pale would mean a comparison would be the terminology. He just like stumbles over his words. He thinks he's so like, he thinks he's verbose, but he's not. It's bad. Is he trying to do like a Tony Clifton gimmick? I think so. Yes. I, I think. Oh. I think so. It is awful. He sucks. He really does. I mean, you know, the Valiants were a legendary team for WWF. Make no mistake, but he just wasn't cut out for this. Uh, this is after he managed Hogan in the AWA. Remember that as the heel? 
That's crazy. Johnny Valiant. Um, another guy they brought in from Minneapolis. If your old man looked like, um, you know, if he was shaped like a question mark or a pear, I see why you wouldn't have a reason to call here to TNT. Why you would have a reason, rather, and Vince says the grass is not always greener. Next letter. Dear TNT, my wife emulates wrestlers I see on TNT recently. I put, masks, I put a mask on my wife, and I just say it was really an improvement. I would suggest you, re- you read this to your viewers, which the words I would suggest in the letter tells us exactly yeah. who wrote these things. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Valiant says maybe you're talking about someone who went through a serious burn and that's why they want to wear a mask and Vince says I don't think that's what this gentleman means and he says there's nothing wrong with a woman who wears a mask and I'm thinking of COVID that's exactly right I'm a female very attractive wealthy and Here, I'm I into ugly this. men I got, I got this oh one fuck this off so fucking awful yes indeed. listen to how fuck great off. Johnny Valiant is female very attractive wealthy right. and very much into ugly men hmm are there any World Rusting Federation rusters that would fit the bill? If so, could you make an introduction? Yeah, there's a lot of men that are ugly. Hulk Hogan's filthy ugly. There's no oh. doubt about that. What? Well, Hulk Hogan's not, he's not exactly a Robert Redford or Brutus Beefcake type. There's no way. What about Brutus Beefcake? How would he, on a scale of 1 to 10, what, right. what, what would Brutus be in your 15, eyes? 15, 20, maybe something like that. Because there's no way to measure a guy like that. Brutus Beefcake, there's no, there's, there's no way to, to characterize a man like that. The guy has leaps and bounds. There's, no there's been nobody like Brutus Beefcake. That's a simple situation. So in other words, if you would say to me, Johnny Vaya, quite candidly, on a scale of 1 to 10, how is Brutus Beefcake? I'd say 15, 20, maybe 35. Well, who, <laughs> would, who would you suggest, really, other than Hulk? I mean, this lady... That's ugly, you mean? It's into ugly men. And who Tito would Santana, he's filthy ugly. Somebody like Junkyard Dog, Sergeant Slaughter. They're stone ugly. In fact, they wrote a, in fact, I heard Junkyard Rock. Stone, Rock. ugly. Right. I heard he wrote a write about a Lonely Hearts Club, and they wrote back and they said, hey, we're not that lonely. Us? I mean. What is it? Well, why can't I deal? Why is he so grating he, on me? Because he's, he's annoying. <laughs> why? Why is he annoying? He's like every other wrestling manager. No, he's not, though. He, he's, he's because, you know, you know what? There is a natural charisma. That is necessary. You either to have it or you don't as a manager. Right. And I'm not saying that there's stuff that you can't uh, uh, learn, but there is. But to be a fast talking, witty manager, you have to be fast talking and witty. And he's got 50% of that. He's fast talking, but he's not witty well and put. he's not well spoken and he's annoying. Like, again, this Tony Clifton thing, a Tony Clifton thing could be a. Tony Clifton would have been a great fucking... That's a wrestling character right there. ...heel manager, all right? You know, like, I imagine a, 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 a smarmy, fat, negative, you know, fuckhead wearing, you know, those, those, those ridiculous clothes and the mustache and everything. Like, I mean, in, in a weird way, like, you know, Andy, Andy Kaufman missed an opportunity by not doing the Tony Clifton gimmick on, right. on a wrestling show. You know, um, but he's just not, he's not quick enough. Uh, he's, he's, it's weird because he is quick, but like, it, it's just not. It sounds like he's playing manager. It's not funny. Right. You know, and it's one of those weird things where if Bobby Heenan said this stuff, it would be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. If he said yeah. exactly what he said, word for word, it would be hilarious. Look on his face. The look on his face, his quick delivery, like almost the, the nervousness and trying to get everything out of the, at, at, at the appropriate time. But with this fucking clown, he, he, he sounds like a 
complete loser. Johnny Valiant comes off as someone who is nervous, but doesn't want you right. to know it. Whereas right. Heenan exactly. like, would bring the nervousness to the forefront. Right. He would be exactly. He would play that up. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear the Brutus Beefcake reference. I didn't realize he was already in at this point, but there it is. And uh, yeah, yeah, because he rest, isn't he at WrestleMania? The WrestleMania two in '86. Not he's at, at first one, WrestleMania. Though. I think he's at one. Is he really? I, I'm. I, I vaguely remember him. Oh, let me check here. I could have sworn that he was at WrestleMania. Oh, one. he came in in '84, according to this article. And the Dream Team started right away, managed by Justin yeah. by uh, Luscious Johnny Valiant. That makes sense. And yeah, and he fought David San Martino. That's right. Right, right. that's right. <laughs> With Johnny Valiant as his... Yeah, before the tag team. Yeah, because I always think of the Dream Team as being his first from day one, but he he wasn't. He was a singles guy at first. Singles well, heel. Hogan got his pal on the first WrestleMania card. He sure did. Long-time pal. Close that's personal, right. long-time friend. Indeed. Uh, next letter. I have a fantasy that involves a 16- to 20-man battle royal um, and being involved in one as a woman which they're obviously making veiled references to a gangbang. Do you think I'm unusual? Do you have an open, uh, open end policy group coverage? He says double and definitely believe we have an open end policy. That's right. I will open your end and I will policize it. What's up boss. And, um, do you, and he says he starts talking and then Johnny Valiant just tries to do the Lou Albano by listing words. He says, do you have a policy group coverage, double indemnity, disability clause? I'm so annoyed. Anyone want to encounter 20 or 10 men in a battle royal, they have to have a death wish, he says. One is sick, two uh, in there is a number. I'm not, there's no longevity. Not one is uh, fighting for, what? It's not one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, fuck, exactly. It's the end of a shower, he says, too. I don't know why he says shower. And Vince says, I don't think they want to be involved in a battle royal, literally. I don't think that's what the writer, letter writer is saying. And he goes, what do they have in mind? And, and says, I cannot speak for this person. And he looks off and cracks a smile. In some ways, fantasizing about being in the ring with 15 or 20 men. And uh, Johnny Valiant says, that's just like jumping into the Battle of the Bulge, I'd say. Right. Iwo Jima, Pearl Harbor, Super Bowl, Neo, no cleats, he says. And he takes off his glasses and right. shouts, and it's bad. So, uh, so much for Johnny Valiant. I mean, he wasn't somebody I ever realized was this aggravating, but this tape lets, introduces me to it. extremely aggravating. So, Gorilla. Um, says as big as uh, Andre's in the business, um, his sense of humor is even bigger. And they say he has a great singing voice. We go to Andre uh, on the set of TNT. I don't know about that. Says to Al, how much do you weigh? 370. Uh, then he puts him in, they said that puts him in the sky low, low class. And uh, he says his blazer was made by the Japanese and the Japanese made all of his clothes. He gets them all from Japan except his boots. Um, and he puts a huge boot on Vince's desk with a big thump, his oh. cowboy boot. And then there's, there's, here's the famous scene, right? This is in every Andre montage you've ever seen where he covers Al's entire face with his big paw. Yep, yep. Al is cackling behind the sweaty palm of Andre as he takes it off and says, oh, please. Stench. Oh, can you imagine? Imagine how gross that fucking thing smells. Olive oil. And- oh, like exactly, olive oil and like clams, sweat clams. Exactly, there's definitely some fish in there. Maybe a little bit of urine, just in the, in the cracks of his hand. Oh God, it's vile. And Al is cackling. He then takes the hand off, and Vince says, "Oh, please do it again, will you?" And then he offers to sing a song. Does Andre? He says, "The last time I was in Japan, the Japanese people couldn't believe the way I sing, and it's the fish song." So he gets the microphone. Guys with drums. They have you know, know like just fuck. like I mean. 
he doesn't even sing. No, he doesn't. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be a, a gag line because when he gets up there with all the the ensemble and everything, he asks a girl to hold his yeah. mic, and then he starts swimming with his swimming. arms and doing a fish mouth. So it's the fish. Yeah. He doesn't sing. He just imitates a fish, and they all yeah. crack up. Here it is here. Let's have Andre the Giant yeah. uh, sing the fish song. It should be great. Yeah. Don't stop, don't stop. You're doing good. Yeah. This is Amic Hop Girls. Yes. And can, can you handle the microphone for me, please? Sure. Okay. Keep going. No way, I'll be back with the whale song. <laughs> Funny? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I guess it, 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 it probably was, it's funny to some. I don't think so, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I qualify for no. my opinion. You do not qualify for your opinion. Can confirm. <laughs> so we go to Piper's Pit. Lou Albano's there with the gold record, and uh, Cindy Lauper's on the show. And, um, you know, Lou Albano's trying to take all the credit for the girls just want to have fun music video that he was in playing her dad. And she says she's not calling Lou a liar at all when he says he, um, you know, is taking all the credit for the success of the song. Then Lou enters the frame and he said he starts. They, weren't, weren't they on the same side by WrestleMania, though? Uh, yes, they were. Uh, and the reason for that was because Albano had um, struck a deal with the Muscular Dystrophy Association to be kind of like an ambassador and fundraiser. One of his relatives, I think his brother-in-law, had died of MS and he would was going to go out there and do all kinds of charity events to try to raise money for the cause and couldn't do it as a super heel. So they turned him back and they had Piper break the record over his head on the war to settle the score on MTV. But this was kind of a prelude. Um, sure, that. this is kind of a, the, like what kicked it off the whole thing. Indeed, right? yeah, it's kind of a historic yeah. angle, which is a blooper, I guess. Um, so Lou comes in, tell all the people how I found you in Queens and made you a superstar and come on, tell them. Tell him how I uh, wrote the words for time after time. And Cindy said, he's only kid. And Piper says, you're taking 75%, aren't you, Al? Which is... <laughs> Vern sits back and laughs. Uh, tell, tell him how Cindy would be I in the said, kitchen. Uh, you're only taking 75? Well, Jesus Christ, you know. He's screaming at her. I'll be taking 90. 90 motherfuckers. 90%. But Dave Wolf was taking 90%. Oh, I bet he was. Um, he's t- you know, tell tell him how you would be in the kitchen. No woman's ever accomplished anything without a man behind you. So he's doing the whole chauvinist thing, and um, that's not at all what uh what Cindy Lauper wants to hear. So she stands up for womanhood or whatever, and uh, smacks him. Um, and he says, "Shut up! Wait a minute, Cindy, and tell him how you came off." How you um, you know came big off of my reputation? How all women are nothing, Cindy. They're slime. How it, you know, she's going to say all women are slime? How it takes a man to make a woman? Yes, yes. Um, yep. And uh, it was a big video. Piper says I saw the video myself. Um, you can't come out here and say this man's a liar. He was he was the whole reason it was successful. And Lou says, tell them how um, how it, how I took you abroad. And Cindy goes, what? She gets up and flips a table and 
grabs at the jacket and dings him on the head with her purse and starts swinging her purse like crazy yeah. at Lou Albano. Oh, my God, it's nuts. And uh, according to Lou's book, what, um, what he didn't know is that she had perfume in there. Oh, no. And it gashed his, his head because he got dinged ah! several, wow. several times. Uh, this is when Dave Wolf, the manager of Cindy Lauper, who played a role and took a bump on the, uh, the aforementioned war to settle the score yes. angle. I think he took a body slam from Piper, I think it was. Uh, gets involved and whisks her away and and gets a mic and says something, but there's no noise to the microphone and Cindy is swinging and wigging out on everybody and <laughs> quite a deal, quite a deal to look back on. Um, I'll say. Uh, Albano recalls meeting Cindy Lauper by chance on an airplane and chatting her up and uh, they exchange contact info. If you ever you know can think of a way I can play a role in what you're up to and yeah, she she had a need for him as the dad and girls just want to have fun in the music video and. Thus, rock and wrestling began. He remembers. Uh, That's Cindy- crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's massively historic. Cindy, Dave, and I, he writes in his book, Albano, that is, decided to take advantage of our newfound relationship to benefit all our careers, hoping to parlay the new friendship into an angle. We approached Vince McMahon Jr. with our idea, and he loved it. So in April 1984, I started making appearances on Rowdy Roddy Piper's interview segment, Piper's Pit, claiming that I took Cindy for nothing and made her a pop star by teaching her the basics of my patented PEG, Principal Politeness, Etiquette, and Grooming. I even claimed I wrote... <laughs> Wrote the lyrics to her latest gold record hit song, Time After Time. From there, Cindy made appearances on Piper's Pit, refute my claims. And when I called her abroad, she went ballistic, hitting me with her pocketbook. Even though we had that all planned out, I didn't realize that she had a bottle of perfume in there. And I ended up with a big gash in my head. The challenge was on. It was decided we would each find a female wrestler. And whoever managed the winner would get the bragging rights. This leads to Cindy bringing in Wendy Richter, who they wanted to spotlight right alongside Hulk Hogan in the rock and wrestling era. Right. And um, he managed Fabulous Moolah, Albano did. And uh, they did that match. And uh, it was coming off of that that they shot the angle we just talked about where um, Albano turns back face come WrestleMania 1. So that was that. That was building to, that wasn't so much building the WrestleMania, this angle, as it was building to the MTV special where Cindy Lauper, uh, pardon me, where, yeah, where Cindy Lauper accompanies Wendy Richter to the ring to face Fabulous Moolah. Yeah. So then it's a symphonic rumbling of clips. Lots of Bruno in there. They they go Vince to a guy in the street and says, what would he expect? He looks like somebody, uh, someone marrying a butcher. He points to a dog and he says, the bride might look like that. And the guy says, I never said that. And then wedding bells are ringing for the fourth time for Paul Butcher oh. Vachon, we're told. It's time for Paul Butcher Vachon's wedding from TNT. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think it was the, maybe the second wedding they did. I think Uncle Elmer's wedding. Is that the first one? Had already happened? Oh, no, maybe Uncle Elmer got no, Uncle married Elmer's on Saturday Night's Main Event. or whatever. What's that? Uncle Elmer's happened in like Yeah, it was on Saturday Night's Main Event, wasn't it? Right. I think so. I take that back. This may have been the first WWF wedding. Wow. Yep. Wedding bells are ringing. And uh, Paul Vachon's marrying Ophelia, who we never see. She's under a veil. I'd love to know who she was. I yeah. couldn't find any reference to who they put under the, the veil. Probably somebody that worked for the company, but I'd love to know who. So Vance with a carnation on his lapel and the big banquet hall packed with wrestlers. Oh, my and God. This, this whole thing. What a weird this whole deal thing, this is. Like, screams like a sorrow family reunion at the American Legion. Is that right? Oh, my God. All these fucking people. Good to know. These, 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 these just, you know, of all shapes and sizes. That's for sure. My what a God. freak show this thing is. Seriously. So they got Paul Vachon at the head table with Mad Dog Vachon, who was in the company's wife. Now, is that is that uh, Butcher Vachon or is that character actor Reg Reynolds <laughs> with a shaved head? 
R E G. R E G. R E Y N. R E Y N. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Reynolds is. <laughs> With a shaved head. <laughs> yes, it's Reg Reynolds. <laughs> so, yeah, there's Mad Dog up there, and uh, Paul steps up with the bride, and Fink is among the people in, in the reception. <laughs> we got all wrestlers, too. All kinds of wrestlers. I mean, all heel wrestlers, yeah. keep in mind. You know, heels it's, it's all yeah, it's all point. Only heels go to heel you know, weddings. Great point. A bunch of masked guys. And yeah. from the manager of World Champions, he sent a box of rubber bands. Lil Bano did oh, as a God. gift. He's there. This, is, this was in, in, when he reads the fucking note. It's so fucking funny. My gift is a lifetime supply of his and hers rubber bands for your beautiful faces. Be careful when you kiss. The captain loves you. His and her rubber bands. And you can hear him barking, too, with the background yes. the whole time. Oh, God. Dave Schultz is there. Blassie stumbles in. They get eyeglasses from Blassie. They're stuck yep. five inches above his ear on his head. The glasses oh. is up all the Uh He's got the Montreal no, accent. No bloopers or bleeps here, by the way. Just want to let you know. Yeah, or body, you know, right. body slams. Um, yes, Blassie uh, bridges the fingers and says, I saw this ring and I gave it to my second, third, and fourth, and fifth wife and flashes his awesome. pinky ring and asks the bride why don't you uh throw that away and he lifts um the veil and says you're all right and forces himself on her does lou uh, uh freddie blassie yes and then there's toasts a graphic tells us the toasts we go over to george the animal steel who eats something and stands up with his tongue wagging this is he you know, he he gives a bizarre toast and it's all grunts and groans and then he says, Pombernickle! Get it? Toast? Oh, yes. Indeed. The humor. Vince makes a face like he is disgusted. I see. Um, yeah, exactly. There's uh, Mula cheering him on and Albano screaming, You can do it, Georgie. And Vince uh, work in the room. Albano proposes a toast. And uh, yes, they... Um, he says, open your teeth, open your gums, look out, stomach, here it comes. He's throwing down some drinks. Vince, uh, hardly a toast befitting the bride and groom, he says. Yep. Uh, as Albano runs in, says, I got a girl that lives on a hill. She won't, but she won't, but her sister will. Oh, my God. He's doing all the lines he does, and he's walking yes. around making a Same total shit. spectacle out of himself. Yep. You, this, you know this is how he really show. was, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's always trying to get all the attention. Oh, like at the Kowloon, he's the oh. most loud. Oh, Kowloon. I know. Rest in peace. Ventura uh, says... Yeah, it's still there, but yeah. soon to be gone. Soon to be gone, from what we understand. That's sad. Yeah, what are the guys going to do after the Raws at the Garden? No, I don't care what the fucking said on Twitter. I love Kowloon. I think Kowloon was great. Where's Randy Orton going to go to spit in fans' faces? Oh, that's right. Ventura says, the scum always rises to the top of the water. Yeah, the scum always rises to the top of the water, McMahon. Yeah, well, you have orange hair with dark sideburns, and you're hey, balding. Hey, you know what I am? Maybe I am the scum that rises to the top of the water. Oh, my God. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some time off to go film a movie called Abraxas. Yeah, that's right. Coming soon. Guardian of the universe. And Skylo Low has the mic. I'm not ready yet for the toast, but the person who tried all the time and let the big mouth goes, who's that? Montreal, what the hell? Don't you want a toaster? Okay, so, so they're confusing with the accent if he's saying you want a toaster. Uh, 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 oh, they're just shouting in Francois. Yep. 
And Blassie says, hit that midget right in the nose. Vince goes to Dr. D. He says, finally, we get the fucking bleeps here. Listen. No, I don't want those. Nobody, man. You've been running around here talking to all the over here. You've been talking to the Samoans. You've been talking to English people. You come here like I'm a piece of trash or garbage. I don't want to toast nobody. I toast myself is all I toast. Now, you can get that mic out of my face because I'm feeling really hostile. You know what I mean? I've been feeling hostile all night towards everybody, and I don't appreciate the way you be. All night. So just, I don't even want to talk to you right now. I'm fixing to open this champagne, and I just hope, I hope it don't go in your face. All my, how about all all of his life? It's a nice guy. Yeah. Jesus, did Classic. someone just ask him a question at Starcast or something? He went off. <laughs> this is the he's gonna slap him like John Stossel. Hopefully, that's fucking David Schultz before he slaps Stossel yes. and gets fired. Right there, that's him. Um, stand by for one sec. I gotta go get his book called "Don't oh, Call Me boy. Fake." There it is. That's what I need. <laughs> that's exactly right. Don't call me fake. Don't call me real. Don't treat me like a woman. <laughs> yeah, that's, Don't that's, treat me like a man. That's China's book. This is the Don't. book I bought from him so that I could interview him. <laughs> interview and, uh, him. That was fucking the best. And he could immediately accuse. And he, and he, and he makes uh, some absurd claims. Yeah, so here it is. The... <clears throat> I spent a lot of time on TV in those early days with the WWF. I got 50 bucks a day for TV tapings designed to help the fans get to know me before I went on the road. The interviews and vignettes I filmed for the WWF were a fairly new innovation at the time, a means of introducing new wrestlers to the WWF audience. One of the early segments was an at-home visit with me and my family in Tennessee. The, home, the video featured me and my wife and two boys in my home near Nashville, a rustic cabin in the woods. After hollering at my wife for not making dinner for the TV crew and sending her to the boys to the kitchen, I began to brag on my humble log cabin home. Okay, the WWF produced a show called Tuesday Night Titans or TNT. It was a takeoff on late night talk shows that allowed the WWF to further the storylines in the ring and let the fans know characters like me. Vince McMahon did the hosting duties, sitting behind a desk, Johnny Carson, while Lord Alfred Hayes, a British wrestler turned announcer and sometimes stooge, took the... <laughs> he would stooge. <laughs> uh, Vince, you know what I saw today on the road? Yes. Took the Ed McMahon seat on the couch. One of the more memorable episodes of TNT featured the wedding of Paul the Butcher Vachon to his bride Ophelia. The wedding took place inside a wrestling ring adorned with palm trees and greenery draped over the ropes. Yes, there was an actual in-ring wedding in addition to what we see here on the tape, which is just the reception. Howard Finkel, the WWF's longtime announcer and first official employee, acted as the MC introducing the wedding party. He did, yeah, there was a reverend too, as we'll play here in a second. That's right. Get, get that reverend clip ready for us. Uh, including Best Man, Mad Dog, Vashon, Maid of Honor, The Fabulous Moolah, Flower Girl, Diamond Lil, and Ring Bearer, Sky Low Low. George and the Animal Steel gave the bride away. The WWF is not known for staging beautiful wedding ceremonies, uh, Schultz writes, but this one was especially chaotic. The boys watching from the outside were constantly interrupting with their jeers and jabs, most aimed at Vashon, but a few lobbed at the fair affilia and the rest of the party. Bored by the proceedings, George and the Animal Steel began taking down the wedding decorations and even attempted to eat a turnbuckle. Captain Lou Albano climbed in the ring to question the virtue of the bride-to-be. I bided my time throughout the ceremony. Just as the officiant brought the wedding to its conclusion, I stormed the ring and body-slammed the groom, sending the bride and the rest of the wedding party running for cover. I assumed an even larger role at the wedding reception that followed. Just as Vashon and Ophelia went to cut their cake, I stepped up to the head table with the intention of telling Ophelia how to properly take care of her professional wrestling husband. Mm. There's then an entire uh, fucking transcript of what they say back and forth. Uh, so the blow-by-blow blow continues. This is literally just a description of the segment. Um, 
He says, I was the only one at the reception to escape without a spot on me, despite the uh, massive food fight that broke off. So he also remembers doing other TNT segments, like the one where he showed off his gun collection uh, to Vince. And um, he asked him to bring his gun collection on the set. And he says, are you kidding? They'd lock me up and throw away the key. Um, Vince wanted me to fire off one of the guns by accident. He had someone take me. Wait, why you want me to do that? You bring the shit out there down. Why are you doing that? Why you want? I don't want to toast nobody. I want to shoot you in the head. That's exactly what he said. Why are you treating me like trash? Yep. Why are you coming over here with your fucking microphone and, and treating me like I'm the bitch of the damn place? I'm going to fuck you up, McMahon. I'm going to eat you like a fucking shit ball. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've eaten shit, shit balls. balls. Yeah, it sounds delicious. I've taken my own shit, molded it into a ball, put it in my mouth, and swallowed it. And I'll do the same thing to you, bitch. It goes without saying, he writes, that all the talking I did for the WWF, the AWA, and every other promotion, whether it was a ringside interview or ruining a wedding, was completely unscripted. In those days, you would never walk up to Hogan Piper, myself, or anyone and hand us a piece of paper to memorize. We didn't have writers. Everything was off the cuff. It was as real as it gets. You're goddamn Ooh. right. The real man. Oh, I'm a real man. I mean, you go out there, you do that damn shit out there. I'm a real fucking man. I can make up my own shit. I don't need you writing my fucking words for me. I'll eat you alive. <laughs> that would have been a better title than Don't Call Me Fake. Yeah, right. So hit that, uh, Reverend. This was um, the first time they used a, this is a trope of every WWE wedding. They always have like an extra annoying yes, officiant. Of course. And this of is our course. first taste of it in the uh, Paul Vachon wedding. We are gathered here today in the sight of God and in the face of this company to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony, which is an honorable estate among all men, therefore not to be entered into lightly, of course, but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, and soberly. And in Irish, I think that's what he's going for. I'm not I positive about that. I don't understand that. The reverend I is among believe. the uh, people in the crowd at the reception who gets a big pie in the face, but for what it's yes, worth. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did I see Jimmy Barnett at the reception too? Uh, he might have been there. I was feel like they were, for the company. I feel like it was all heels and some and some higher up office people. Right, right. Very interested to know if anyone can positively identify the non wrestlers, yeah, slash television personalities. So. In these skits. So Lou Albano lets out a big belch and Jesse pops for that. Lou. Oh my God. Then does it into a microphone and Vince looks pissed off. He does it again and they play it three times over. They they actually. I think they they have like, I think he came back and did it a bunch of different times. uh, 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 They play it like that. Uh, uh, Screaming and shouting and bellowing and walking around with his stomach hanging out. And Albano's such a gimmick and it's like annoying. Oh, he's so annoying. Because you know people like that. You know what I mean? Who Yes, exactly completely take over even though no one wants them to believe it or not i'm not one of those people not at all no no this is like the guy who like stop it you only invite when you have to when it's like a full family thing you know and it's always it's always wrong yeah it's always a bad idea so he's screaming and shouting and bellowing and paul and the bride are dancing and sika's looking like jimmy uso and now it's albano with tony (laughs) he really is he really is looking like jimmy uso with uh, Tony D at the music station. Seek, of course, is um, 
Roman Reigns' father. And uh, belly hanging out with a body like this, I've got to be ashamed. He's about to moon Vince McMahon, and Vince scrams and says, we're going to uh, the feature match. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 well, no, this, uh, I see. Notwithstanding the, oh, boy. They don't show us the featured match. They just show us Lou Albano waddling by and dancing with uh, Diamond Lil, the flower girl. Uh, she almost comes up to that rather bulbous navel, Vince says, of the um, mini Diamond Lil. Blassie cackles, and then they get the bright idea for some reason to interview Lou Albano because he's not making enough of a, a show yeah. of himself here. But he walks up to the music stand where the band is. You know, starts- when fucking Lou walks around and shit, he, he moves like my dad's cousin Judy. Does he really? Oh, yeah, like that slow waddling shit. Yeah, like a penguin, yeah. So Lou starts making noises into the microphone, and the Samoans pick up Sky Low Low to the mic, and they have him sing, and don't you have to pick him up to reach, you know, and Albano's lifting his shirt for some reason, and they're all singing into the mic, and he's being thrusted about by the Samoans, and some of them are loving it. The Tonga Kid, for one, is loving it. And then uh, Paul Vashon offers um, cake, and the graphic says dessert, which is... How Iron Cheek says desert. And <laughs> someone says, I don't eat cake, dear. And Dr. D puts down the beer and says, man, it's said to eat cake, eat cake. I like cake. And then he slams the cake in the bride's face. Oh. Dr. D. What a fucking Jesus. Slams the cake what in her heel. face. Then Vince says, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And Paul doesn't do anything about it. His bride was just pie-faced by David Schultz in a very yeah, but aggressive but it was, it was fake. Is that what it was? It was not even, I'm not even married right now. Vince cracks up. Paul's laughing, and then uh-huh. Obano hits Sky Lolo with a pie, and here we go. Food fight. Standing on a table, Vince is cracking up. Please, no, please, no. And George Steele's making noises in a pie face, and then pie faces some guy from the office. Um, the guy gets up. Reverend gets up. Uh, the Reverend's name, by the way, was Meyer Lipschitz. Al gets a pie and turns around oh. hilariously, and the Reverend puts a pie in his face again. Vince cracking up when he sees Al with the covered in pie and... That was for the third time that day that he oh saw that. God. Yes, exactly. Um, but I've I never heard Vince laugh so loudly in my life. As much as he does the it, fake ha, ha, ha. This is like a real belly laugh from yes, Vincent Kennedy yes. McMahon. He's he's having a good time. He thinks this is the greatest thing. Yep, yep. Um, Sky Low Low, there's something on his head. I don't even know what it was I made note of here. Uh, Schultz approaches Vince and gets him good with a pie. Good. And says, I've been wanting to do that a long time. And that's and probably damn a right shoot. he has. Uh, Vince crowns Steel with one, then says, please. The champagne bottle comes out. Al smacks Mad Dog in the face. Um, Albano. Um, women come in there screaming their heads off. Chairs are now flying. It's getting. Chairs are fucking flying. It's getting violent. It is. They're slipping and sliding oh all God. over the food and drink on it's the ground. so unsafe. Vince covered in pie says, wait a minute, please. And. Uh, Vashon uh, taps Al with a, with a chair and Mad Dog is throwing down beer bottles and smashing them on the floor of the banquet hall. Vince standing there holding a pie. Everyone's getting sprayed with champagne. Mad Dog Vashon is throwing chairs almost casually across the room. It, I can't believe this. All of a sudden, it's just a total scrap heap in the middle oh, of this mess. I can't believe my eyes. Like, what is this? Like, what? What do they tell these guys to do that resulted in this? I, I really don't know. Vince misses Sika with a pie. Fink turns over a table. A woman screams. The backing falls off. Vince is sliding around on the floor. A woman in a mask gets pie-faced by Jesse. There's a woman with a mask on. Don't ask me why. 
Sika tries throwing a wedding cake. He slips and falls on a table. Pies are flying. They play the slapstick music now. Vince has a bottle of 7-Up. He's pouring it on Jesse Ventura and some woman. Cut away, and behind the lattice of the uh, setup, there's comes this old white-haired guy making a, a run for it, looking like Phil Zacco, trying to get the fuck out of here. He has no part of this routine. Vince is sliding like a kid on ice. Schultz now has Pepsi. Every table is turned over and destroyed. Some woman is getting um, pied to death by the Samoans, just stuck between the two. I mean, this is what I would expect a, uh, uh, of a Sean wedding to end up like. Absolutely. Sure. She ends up covered in pie and cloth, and there may even have been a wardrobe malfunction as Vince is hustling her off the uh, out of the room to help her get out of the Give me those tits. Fire. I want them. I want them. Maybe that is only Feinberg. I, I don't know. She'd come to work for them yet. I don't think so. <clears throat> Vince selling with cake on his face, the Tonga kid. Uh, comes in next to him and uh, comes over and someone comes over and twists his arm. A pile of crap. Vince is covered. Um, Orndorff says this uh, This is Bush League and burps. What is the rapid fire? What? Belomo, Blassie spitting, Albano saying ask me anything. Yeah, they just, they just force this little montage at the end, don't they? What the fuck yes. is this? Yes. I mean, it's a, the, the closing scene should be Vince completely covered in pie and then they just... Oh. They just um, put a bunch of shit in there at the end. Rapid yep. fire clips of yep. things so we saw, weird. things we didn't see, involving people who were on the tape. And they wrap it all up from there. Executive producer Arthur Morowitz, producer Steve Hecht, associate producer Barry Tillman, our editors, our writer Stephen Hecht, wherever he is. I'm sure he did a lot of writing here. Your TNT segment director, the legendary Kerwin Silfies. Post-production done again, video one in Baltimore, as well as CC Visual in New York. Steve Taylor, your still photographer. You could see him in the background during the wedding thing. Special thanks, it says, to Vince McMahon. Also, shout-outs, as you said, to Liz DeFabio, Lord Al Hayes, yep. Gorilla Monsoon, yep. Nelson Swegler, who was the CEO of WWF at the time, and uh, Suzanne Volante. And it says, the wrestling matches in this cassette have been edited. <laughs> to maximize their entertainment. That's exactly what it says. Careful preservation of the spirit and integrity of the matches has been maintained. Oh, clearly. When you clip it down to four seconds. Copyright Titan Sports 1985. Copyright Evard Enterprises 1985. Yes, copyright porn. And we get that coming attraction, speaking of which. Yep. Sit right there. Volume 2. Best of WWF Volume 2 will be available at your local retailer. This is Vince doing a voiceover here. Yep. Um, made up of matches exclusively that you won't see anything like it on television. And they talk about how Pedro... I mean, defensive. it's not wrong. Usually, it's, they're way worse than what's on television. Right. They're on television for a reason. He didn't, he didn't mention that. They talk about Pedro defending against Morocco in one of the tapes. They show Tito versus Orndorff, and they show the finish of that match. That's on another tape. Entire program on one single... And then they're going to do an entire program, they say, on one single outstanding individual. The Andre the Giant tape is plugged here. They even refer to him as the boss in this oh. little preview. And then finally, um, the time machine. When you use the time machine, they say to go to the WWF's most unusual matches as they show old-looking clips, an all-girls battle royal, a Texas tornado match, a six-man tag with Haystacks Calhoun, as you mentioned, the 601-pounder. Yep, yep. And a 10-man tag team, which is the same match that started this tape. And they're, they end the tape plugging that this match is on another tape as well. Right. So, but in its entirety, huh? Uh, the last thing we hear on this uh, very first WWF Coliseum home video release, visit your video retailer and reserve your copies now. Wow. I'll do just that, Vince. 
It's content is intended for private use only.